Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Racing with Ryan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Stevens, and joining me today is probably the most happy person that went to the Daytona 500, aside from Ricky's Denhouse. Introduce yourself. Hi, dear. It's Margo. What did you just do? <laughs> I, like, scraped the microphone across my cheek. Why is it every time we start the show, you're like, a couple weeks ago, you were, like, hitting stuff? Sorry? No, not sorry. You just abused yourself before we start the show. Anyways. I was um, trying to scratch my foot. This is our post-Speed Weeks podcast, and there's plenty to talk about. Um, of course, we're going to talk about the World Series. We're going to talk about Daytona. Um, I have updated power rankings. I have my predictions that I made that went completely awry. And we will go over all of that on the show. But I want to start... Pretty sure the only person that accurately picked the Daytona 500 winner was me. I, I think you're right about that because I also pick him for every other race because, damn it, eventually I'm going to be right. I mean, I don't think really many people had, and, and no offense, I just don't think that many people had Ricky uh, picked. But I that's did. that's why number one in my heart, number one at the Daytona 500. The rest of you <laughs> assholes who can't even get your race cars off your trailers, <laughs> keep crying. It's fine. Well, normally, we, on this show, we would start with the World Series, but we are, because of the experience that Margo had, we're actually going to start with the Daytona 500. So the first segment of the show will be all about the Daytona 500. Wow. Um, Friday was cooler. Why well, was Friday? Well, you had to take Dawson with me. Well, yeah, you guys had a cool experience uh, on, on Friday, but I, I don't think there was anybody more elated to be at the Daytona 500 on lap 200 and what was it, like 29 yeah, it felt like it. Some, something like that. They went into a couple overtimes, but uh, I don't Martin think there's anybody. Ultras in. How? Okay. First of all, tell us about your experience and, and give them some love. Tell them, tell them who was able to get this experience for you. Can't do that. Um, but through my job, I was able to get uh, VIP credentials for me and for Dawson. I got to take Dawson. Friday to the truck race because of his buddy Daniel Dye was racing. So we got to go to cup practice and walk around the garages. He got to meet Ricky Stenhouse. I believe that was the good luck. Uh, he got to meet Ricky Stenhouse. He, he saw Daniel. I'm trying to think who else he got his picture with. Ross Chastain. No. Well, that was, yeah, that was Friday after yep. the races. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, and Ryan Priest. And he really, really, really wanted a picture of Noah Gragson or with Noah Gragson. And I've got to say, as a Noah Gragson fan, I left pissed off because Noah literally was sitting on his tires, like scrolling through Twitter or whatever, while there's fans in the fan zone window and people like wanting to come. I get it. You're, you're there for practice or whatever. But when literally every other driver is taking time to come see their fans, kind of makes you look like a douche. I believe your text to me at the time was, Noah is unapproachable. Yeah, he was completely unapproachable. Yeah. Whereas Ryan Priest right next to him is like waving Dawson. Now, that, that's a different story. Ryan does know us. He's like telling Dawson, like his crew guys are telling Dawson to come in the, in the garage and stuff like that. Um, he got fist bumps from Corey LaJoy and Travis Pastrana. And there was somebody else too. I, I just can't remember who it was. Yeah. So pretty good experience uh all around going friday with, with dawson ross chastain stopping his car in the middle of the new smyrna parking lot because he saw dawson's shirt was probably the coolest thing 
how that hurt to say. Now you guys left. Did you did you actually see any of the race Friday? No. Or you left before. Yeah, he okay. wanted to get out of there. So you got all the pre-race festivities and got to meet the drivers, and that yeah, was enough. We were smart. Yeah, because that race was very meh. Uh, from what I saw on TV, obviously, uh, we'll talk about uh, Friday at New Smyrna here in a bit, but uh, the pieces that I saw up in the tower just looked like typical trucks, uh, two-lane drafting, a couple of wrecks, and then the rain out. Zane Smith got the win, which is cool, but yeah, that, that race was kind of lackluster. That's um, who he got knocks from. Oh, was it That's Zane? That's another one that he got knocks from, yes. Okay. Zane's cool. He's probably my favorite truck series driver. Um, then you went back Sunday for the Daytona 500, and I mean, from the text messages from the pictures, I, I think you had the time of your life at, at Daytona. Oh, yeah. On, uh, on Sunday for the 500. The beer had nothing to do with that. Well, that makes anything <laughs> usually more exciting. I, I got to watch the Thunderbirds mm-hmm. from Pit Road. Yep. And the Dirk Bentley concert, which I know I'm going to get shit. He sucks. And I don't really think it's him because I've seen Dirk Bentley live, but the acoustics at Daytona just absolutely suck, and I have no faith that my $150 Rockville tickets aren't going to go to waste because that sounds so bad. I, I think Rockville, Rockville, Rockville will have a little bit better sound than, God, I hope so. than a pre-race Daytona 500 concert so that was a guy named Dirk's. That was pretty cool just because I do love Dark Bentley. I like his music. He's not like one of my favorites, but I like his music. I didn't even like go up on the on the uh, grass and on the track area for that. I just kind of stood behind Pit Row. There's way too many people. Yeah. Definitely. Way too many rednecks. I mean, it's good on Daytona for selling the place out both in the stands and in the infield. I don't know. I saw some empty seats. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of times tickets get sold and then people either don't show up or if it's like a corporate thing, buying out some seats and they give them to employees and they don't was, show up, stuff was, happens. Or they talking, go to the infield. I was talking to Melissa from Racing America either yesterday or today. We've been talking since the 500. And we both agreed that like the coolest part of it all was the Thunderbirds, which I sent you the video. Yeah. They didn't just do the flyover. They did like their own little pre-race show, which was the coolest thing. And then in the middle of one of the stage breaks, I was actually like getting food and was looking for somewhere to sit. This was before I found my people, and I was able to sit down and talk to some of the Thunderbird pilots, and that was super cool for me. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I I didn't know you got to do that part. Yeah. My phone was charging, and I didn't take pictures because I had my portable charger. But that was Uh it was super cool. I just kind of got to sit down and talk to them. Uh, I got to watch the start of the race from Ty Gibbs's pit stop or pit box. Now that you sent me a video of, and they and the only just... reason it was Ty Gibbs was because he was right on the start finish line. <laughs> well, that, that video was cool because they kind of come from behind the yeah the pit boxes and then they disappear. But like that rush of the start of the 500 from the infield, because I know you've been to Daytona before. You, you you've been to the 500, but this was your first time like on pit road and like yeah. right behind the like action. I've been in the fan zone several times yeah. for races at Daytona. Which is awesome. But fan this, zone's awesome. this is the first time being like actually on pit road. And I have to say like the coolest thing about that was obviously seeing our dump cans and stuff that I like am a part of making and selling being put to use. Like the one video I got of the Chase Elliott pit stop, that was a fuel only pit stop. I was yeah. on the complete wrong side of the car for that video. <laughs> Well, that um, that just adds to the the excitement because you're like, wow, there's here's the thing I do, and here it is in action in Stock Car's biggest race, at least in America. But also, like I'm just like this weekend, I was just there as a fan, not an employee. Yeah, like I was told to go have fun, enjoy myself. Don't like talk about 
what I do, don't wear a don't wear a shirt with the company name on it. Now, obviously, everybody else was wearing shirts with the company name on it, and then I roll up wearing like my garage shop shirt or something that those guys gave me, and I'm like, should I have worn my Schultz shirt? And, and now it's like, no, you're good. You watch the entire race from the infield from various perspectives, yeah. correct? Yeah. You you watch them from the fan zone. Yeah. And then you watch them from like various pit boxes. Yep. Where else did you watch from? I watched. It was a long race, so. So I went actually up on the deck in uh-huh. the fan zone for a little while and watched in three and four because that is the most awesome angle. Yeah. Uh, watched quite a bit of it actually, just where the Budweiser tent is or on the big TV where you can still hear the cars and you can see the cars. And then anytime there was a stage break or a caution and we knew there was going to be pit stops, we would run over. And, as long as we didn't have a beer, because you can't have beer on pit road, obviously. Right. There's like a certain point they won't let you yeah. go with with alcohol. Um, so obviously you're having a great time. You're, you're having a like once in a lifetime type experience at the Daytona 500. What, uh, what's going through your head? Green, white checker, Ricky Stenhouse comes out of nowhere and is leading. What's going through your mind? How how did you survive those last couple of laps? Everybody in the fan zone, including Gunny, garage shop, all the people that we were with, they're like, there's no way he's going to pull this off. There's no way he's going to pull this off. And my hands are like on top of my head, like full focused on the race mode. Just like, come on, Ricky, come on, Ricky, come on, Ricky. And then when he, when the caution came out and I saw that they had the white flag, I'm like, Ricky got it. He did it. They're like, no, he didn't. I'm like, yes, he did. Well, it was close with Logano. I was like, yes, he did. He got it. He was leading. Now, I, you know, we're, we're watching the race from home, me, me Peyton, and, and your Nana. Um, and we're, we're on a bit of a delay. Um, and apparently I didn't notice that my phone was going off for like two entire laps because I opened my phone to like 76 Facebook yeah, notifications I, I bet. of everybody checking on me. Well, when you had texted me, it, we saw the, the the crash, the end of the race, and we knew Ricky and Joey were side by side. But in the oh, moment, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what it was I texted you because I you, texted you, you so much. You immediately right? texted me, "Call me" in all oh, yeah. capitals. And no, but that was after something else. Oh, I said Ricky, and you're like, "Oh my God, are you okay? Ricky has the lead." I said, "No, I'm not okay. Yeah. It's a really bad time to have to be." That's it. Yep. And then uh, I was like, I'm not okay. Not saying anything. Holding breath. Dying inside. Call me. And then I was like, okay. And at this point on TV, I I thought it was Ricky, but they hadn't said yet. So I'm calling you. And I think my response was, did he win it? And you're like, oh my God, he won. You were losing <laughs> your so, mind. It was so it, 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 it was a great people, moment. I was like falling to the ground and people are like, are you okay? Because like, I, <laughs> they're I like, know. They're like, she's a Ricky Stenhouse fan. I know a lot of don't people. Don't mind her were happy for Ricky Stenhouse, but I don't think there was a bigger actual Ricky Stenhouse NASCAR fan at the Speedway than you. Well, maybe his fiance, but, you know. Well, they're married now, but that don't mean a thing. It means she's going to hate racing here in a couple of years and the door's wide open. Wow. All I'm right. So, hey, on you're, to... Uh, you're the one that posted that you'd never... <laughs> t- yeah. So, can oh, we goodness. go through my Facebook feed? You got any good ones on there? <laughs> What do you got? Share. Well, the, the first, this is your time. The first thing was Dalton Nelson Snapchats me. He goes, 922, 922, which is our inside joke because when he broke his foot, it was he texted me that he needed somebody to call 922, oh, not 911. 911, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so I had said, take your picks now. I've got Kyle Bush. And Almost. I was like, I was like, oh, I am doing, I'm hoping my curse works. 
So then Dalton, Daytona Speedway Medics, we need a wellness check on Marcus. I remember seeing that. Tyler Sontag goes, no kidding. Mike Williams does the panting SpongeBob. Donnie Burkhalter (laughs) apparently put money on on Stenhouse. Ooh, good good call. And then Melissa Smith, just shut up, Marcus Sterling. Mike Williams, are you okay? Tyler Sontag, Ricky. Tyler Sontag, you good, Margo? Figured you'd be running down the track towards Victory Lane by this point. I mean, I was not it's okay, probably a good thing they didn't let you in victory lane. You might have mugged the man. I was t- <laughs> No, because he's shorter than me. You would have you toppled the man. No, he's shorter than me. Oh. I can't. The instant turnoff. I mean, he's still adorable. He's still adorable, but if he was like an inch or two taller. He's I'd, a wee I'd, little man. He's, I mean, we're at the same height. Oh, well, that's too I bad. Like, like half an inch. I Sorry, don't, Ricky. I don't know. Hang on. I'll look at the picture. Let me analyze this. <laughs> I remember getting, I was getting messages from people like, I think we can hear Margot from here. <laughs> Those are pretty funny. But, but uh, oh, so I talked to Holden, Dawson's dad today. And I guess when Ricky won, Dawson was screaming, that's mommy's boy. I met him. That's I, what I, he's like, I got his autograph. That's what I told Peyton. I'm like, oh my God, Peyton, your mom's driver actually won this freaking race. I and mean, she was like, vroom, 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 vroom. Dawson got his autograph. I mean, now I have his autograph. <laughs> Dawson got you used Dawson to get to. I understand. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. taller than him. Yeah, right. yeah, it's the same size. All right, Pat, I'm going for it. Then. All right, see you later. Um, Maybe not. <laughs> well, this is my favorite picture of the weekend. Is that? It's Todd Gilliland. Todd Gilliland. Oh, you, so you like Todd Gilliland? No, I Stenhouse. do not. I just don't know when Todd Gilliland grew up. Oh, I got you. Okay, that's weird. Um, Sorry. All right, note to self, do not let Marco back in the pits. So I took that one for somebody else who asked me for a picture of Alex Bowman's butt, and I knew that was dangerous territory, oh. so I was like, ooh, I'll do this. There's just better. All right. Well, you got all the behind-the-scenes <laughs> pictures, and... Uh, I only took one. You had a, uh, a great experience, and I'm, I'm very glad you were able to do that. Um, let's talk about the actual Daytona 500 itself. Now, I know you... Got a different perspective it's being blippy. there. Yeah, what the hell was that all about? Apparently, he sponsored the money team, the Connor Daly car. Oh, really? And so they were filming like a TV spot. Okay. All and right. I guess Dylan LeBeau, I think, took him around the track in the Richard Petty experience car. <laughs> so there's... <laughs> what, what an experience. <laughs> right? I took Blippy for a ride around Daytona. Um, so obviously, you had a different experience being there. I'm sure you've seen some of the highlights and, and this and that. I'm sure you've watched Ricky win 152 times. There. Did did you see him do pull-ups on the fence yes, afterwards? 150 times. Right. There it is. There it is. I knew it. It's like, so, man, I wish I was that thin. I'm just kidding. Watching from the couch, it, it's good and bad because you can see the racing. The racing was pretty good. I love the first stage went caution-free and the pack stayed. You know what I didn't together. get? What? 62,000 uh, commercials. Right. And that's my problem. Like, I understand and, and like I was talking with, with Nana about it. She's like, do you think they're front-loading the commercials? I'm like, I don't know. But if they keep doing this, it's really going to make it hard to get into the race. Um, at the beginning, like, I, I appreciate putting more commercials so that you get more at the, uh, you know, more racing at the end. But we should know that the end is likely going to have plenty of cautions. There's going to be plenty of time for ads. Don't do side-by-side commercials during yellow flag. That is just inexcusable. That's a waste. During a yellow flag? Yeah, they did side-by-side commercials during yellow when all they were doing was pacing. 
that is the time to go full screen commercial. That sounds a pretty much flow racing thing. And Ooh. Fox, Fox, yeah. yeah. Um, I knew what I knew where I was going. I knew what you meant. Um, but my only problem with the plethora of commercials is that's going to turn off new fans. They're going to be like, I don't want to watch this. Well, that's why they have the Bushlight Clash with Lil White or whoever the fuck. Um, well, yeah. They, Wiz Khalifa. It's like I said in the, the last show. It's like if your main objective is to get people to come watch your race because there's other things going on, you're missing the boat. But um, it's not a good way to keep people engaged in the product. I get it. You got to sell. You know, you got to make your money. You got to pay all the people, this and that. There's got to be some commercials on <laughs> regular TV, but... Damn, it's it's frustrating when you're trying to enjoy the race, especially the Daytona 500, when the racing is usually pretty close. The battles are pretty good. Um, so that part was frustrating, but I, I did like I did enjoy the race. Um, very good race. And, and Marty, you brought this up. You, you mentioned to me didn't seem like there was a lot of three wide. Is mm-hmm. does that still sit well, with you? Still, there was three wide, but it was like as soon as. Somebody would jump in the middle. The third, if there was somebody in the third group, they would just get pushed back. Yeah, it's like the car has so much drag on it that it gets. If it doesn't have any help, it literally. It's like back in the '90s where you go in the middle and you just fall to the back. The old sucker hole deal. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of like a, a hybrid of like the late '90s tactical style racing and like the mid 2000s pack racing. And I kind of like it to an extent. I don't hate this package. I think that it could be tweaked so that we could get that third line going and maybe have a little more three wide because that's a little more compelling. Um, I like that these guys stay packed together. You can run side by side, two lanes deep, which does make a lot of lead changes, which is something I enjoy. There's 52 in this race, which is way more than last year. Uh, I think the 500 last year had like 35 lead changes and this had 52. So I was impressed with the lead changes and I know a lot of that is... There were some green flag pit stops. Um, there was the two-by-two lane, so the outside lane would lead a lap, then the inside lane would get the push, and the outside would come back, and it was kind of back and forth, back and forth, um, which is exciting because uh, you just don't know who's... One lane wasn't able to establish dominance all day, which was nice. Um, they did a little bit of single-file racing in the kind of towards the end of the race, um, but once that last caution came with 20 to go... I think that right there, Margo, was the turning point of the race when I literally looked at your grandma after the pit stops and they were, the pack was catching back up and closing back together. And I literally said, they're not going to be able to do this for another 20 laps. And literally, I get the sentence out of my mouth and that was the big crash with, with Harvick. And, that's, what and, I told, that's what I told everybody we were with. I'm like, they're, if, they're, if they do this for the next 20 laps, it'll be the most boring Daytona 500 ever. And then they smashed. And it got Ryan Priest and I got a host of others. And that's what re- really made the race interesting here we got like the last 15 laps and um chris busher and brad kozlowski played teammates perfectly i thought i really thought brad kozlowski was gonna win the race for a while um and then we got the move where kyle bush and austin dillon were also working together or and, were they though no they were uh because kyle stepped out with four to go and made that brilliant move to the outside i really thought that that was the race winning move when he jumped outside of Keselowski and Busher got them separated and went to the but lead. It wasn't. It wasn't. But it was a it was a hell of a move. I mean, some of the the moves towards the end of the race and and some of the teamwork were incredible. Um, if you didn't watch the race, I recommend going watching the last twenty laps because it got very interesting. Watch the last two. That's all that matters. That's all that matters to you for sure. Um, it 
when Bush made that move, I was literally like, wow, it's we're going to get that Cinderella story. He moves to Childress. <laughs> and then here comes Ricky Stenhouse to fuck it up. And he, everyone. yeah. Um, I, I kind of was like, oh my goodness. I can't, I really cannot believe this is going to happen. Like I can because Kyle Bush is good. And um, you know how he wrecked his car in the duel? When, when Suarez pushed him. He wrecked his car in the well, duel? Okay, you mean when, when he got turned? When Suarez pushed him into the wall. They had to take a backup car, which had an Austin Dillon wrap on it. So if you looked real closely at Kyle Busch's car, you could see the three underneath the eight. Well, I mean, it works because his like his sponsor was Three Chi, right? Which right. I did not realize was weed gummies. Yeah, it's like that Delta whatever. I don't uh, understand it, but Stephen, where are you? Yeah, that's not my realm. But um, the ironic thing is, Kyle Busch gets the lead, and then like a lap later, who spins out to bring out the caution? Daniel Suarez. The same guy that spun him in the duel wrecks it. Well, wrecked himself so, off a of turn four and brought out a caution. So many people are giving Kyle Busch shit for his interview. I feel like it's a classic. He doesn't uh, give a fuck. He can say what he wants now. Kyle Busch interview. He's just like, I come to Daytona to figure out what lap I'm going to get taken out on and what lap I'm walking out of the infield right. care center. And that's classic Kyle Busch. The only part I don't like is there's like, well, who looked into this one? Like, well. You mean the, the same way you lucked into your last win? The same way you would have, quote unquote, lucked into this? If Did you, you listen won? to the door bumper clear? Yeah. They're like, is his next win going to be luck? Oh, no. It's going to be pure skill. Pure right. skill. There's like some people that can. <gasps> that was the other cool thing I got to do this weekend. Oh, what was that? Oh, I met Freddie Kraft. Kraft. Yeah. And Tony Hirschman. Took a picture of Freddie spotting from the stands from the Wheel and Modified Tour race, and he retweeted it. It's pretty cool. But I got to meet um, Freddie Kraft I, and Tony Hirschman. I, I met him as well briefly. I just didn't. I, Shook his hand and said, "I'm Mr. Kraft." As I walked up the stairs and went back to the tower, and I like, fangirled. You did. It's what I do. That's, but that's fine. Um, back to the 500. We get a restart. Green, white, checker, and Austin Dillon and Kyle Busch. They line up next to each other, and I think this is where they lost the race because uh, when they made that teammate restart and Kyle got down in front of the three, it took them a little bit to hook up where the outside lane got going. Stenhouse pushes Logano by on the outside, and then Stenhouse makes the moves down the back straightaway. Austin Dillon gets wrecked. Stenhouse has the lead, so we go to another green-white checker. Kyle Busch gets shuffled out. We go to the restart, and I'm not going to lie. Um, there hasn't been a lot of races lately where I get off the couch and I get nervous and I have to pace. When that caution came out for Daniel Suarez and Kyle Busch is leading, I was pacing because I'm like, I do not want this. It cannot happen this way. Kyle Busch cannot win in this car yet. It, it's it fine, just, he didn't. He didn't. So, after that moment, I didn't sit back down. Neither We're did watching. Joey Logano, neither did Brad Keselowski, neither did anybody else's we, driver. We get the, the final green-white checker, and I'm like, oh, man, the 47 car is a sitting duck. They come through the tri-oval. Kyle Larson tries to make a move. He gets shuffled three wide. Logano's outside. They go into the corner. Travis Pastrana gets a bump from uh, A.J. Allmendinger. Er, uh, not Dinger, no. uh, Almirola, and we get the the big one on the last lap, like we have for the last like twenty years at Daytona, and everybody wads up. It's literally like a photo finish at the end of turn one to see who wins it, and Stenhouse gets the win, and it was Chouse. It it was it was a moment I'll never forget because I'm calling you. Um, I I literally can't believe it. You're you're there. You're like. Beside yourself. For the record, I've been telling y'all for like the last six months, he's just waiting for me to be there to win one. And that that was it. He just he he needed you. So you gotta go. He touched my (gasps) Uh oh. I washed my race car engineering shirt. It's still there. The the oils are still. 
Let me make sure that was the shirt I was even wearing. So are you going to California this weekend so you can win again? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. It's going to yeah. rain. It's fine. It does that in Florida, too. I didn't think we were getting through Daytona. Oh, I what? No, I did. it wasn't my race car engineering shirt. It was my jacked racing shirt, and I washed it, and I wasn't going to wash it because he touched me and he gave me a hug. Fuck. Well, shucks. But Ricky, Ricky Stenhouse pulls off the win, essentially uh, locks himself in. I, I'll tell you, the last 20 laps of that race, when, when they had that big wreck after the pack was forming back up after pit stops, from that point on, the racing was great. The coverage was better. They didn't break out a commercial. Um, it was a very enjoyable race, and I liked it better than last year's 500. Of course, I liked the winner better than, than last year's winner. Cindric is boring to me. Um, I've seen Ricky Stenhouse win one for the underdogs. I know Daytona's a crapshoot, but to survive the wrecks, to make the right moves, to get in the right lane, to make the right blocks, to not get yourself turned, it takes a different kind of talent than just having a good car. So, good race. I thought it was a good race. What did you think? I mean, uh, listen, listen. The winner aside, what did you think of the race? It was actually really fun. It was really fun. It's a, it's hard to focus when you're down there. It's there's so much going on. So yeah. much to do, but it's a it's a different perspective. That's why I like watching. That's why I like going to the 400 and watching the 500. I know that sounds weird. I'm a weird guy, but um, I I I can't wait to go back to the 400. Uh, but the 500, I I'll like, wave, like to watch. I'll that. wave to you from Pit Road. <laughs> There you go. Uh, we were looking for you. At one point, they did an overhead shot, and they had, like, the whole track. And I was like, hey, I see Mommy. And Peyton was probably like, me. Peyton went, bye. So, <coughs> excuse me. As we did last year, I have our little scorecard for the race. I didn't and, even pick out my, oh, that thing, that, that. Yeah, how we, you know, I'm going to go ahead and score this thing. That's back for uh, this year. I, I did revamp the lead change structure, I have it broken into different types of tracks. So I have a speedway, an intermediate track, a short track, and a road course. Um, that way, because so, like a road course isn't ever going to score as many lead changes as a super speedway. So I, I, I've i changed that a little bit, and this is how I scored the Daytona 500. I give the racing an 8. It was the same as last year. Exciting enough, uh, but not, not as good as the old package. The excitement, I gave it a 9. I mean, it had me off my feet. Uh, off my feet, off my seat, on my feet. Uh, I was pacing around with Peyton there towards the end, as the Daytona 500 usually does to me. You were running the Daytona 500? I, I was, and I think I walked about 500 miles back and forth uh, in the living room at the end of that race. Well, I, um, I got to see how many steps I took. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you took a bunch. Um, the finish, I gave it a seven, just because it ended prematurely before they got to the line. Um <laughs> It was still exciting because, like, I didn't know who or if they were going to make it back to the line, who was going to have the run. I think Christopher Bell was in a good spot if the caution didn't come out. Uh, but I get the finish of seven. Lead changes, again, it had 52. That's that's going to top any chart. 52 lead, 52 lead changes. I think last year's had 35. So that's, that's basically, on average, a lead change every four or five laps. So that's that's pretty good. I like that. I like it when... Somebody's not able to just establish dominance um, and lead the whole thing. It just keeps it entertaining to me. Um, I got, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke because you're going to be like, oh, wow. Never mind. <laughs> All right. Um, the lead changes to score a 10, by the way. I don't have the other scales in front of me, but I know the super speedway lead change is 36 and above is a 10. 
So 52 blows that away. And the reason I picked 36, I looked at Daytona, Talladega, and Atlanta and found a nice happy medium to where like they could exceed a 10 and they could also score low. So anyways, I, I put a lot of effort into the scoring thing that we'll talk about throughout the year. Um, enjoyment, gave it a nine. I, I enjoyed the 500. I mean, the only thing I would have enjoyed a little bit more is just a little bit more three wide racing. So I give it a nine. And overall, it scores an 8.6, the same exact score. And I swear, I made a whole new file. I didn't copy last year's, but last year scored an 8.6 too. It just scored uh, different numbers in different areas. Uh, so I get the race an 8.6 out of 10. That is a solid B. Um, yeah, that, that's that's good. It's it's hard to score any higher than that, really. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a tough grader. Um, S- Sunday, I walked 8.4 miles. 8.4 miles? It doesn't tell me how many steps it was, but I walked 8.4 miles. I, I think that's about as many miles as they did under yellow in overtime, so that's impressive. That's super impressive. Um, I, most of it's probably pacing back and forth or going to the beer booth. <laughs> well, hey, that every step counts. Um, I, I did so many steps uh, during speed weeks that my feet are white still. Oh, at one point in Sunday, it was like my watch. Because, you know, if you're like exercising, it'll notify you. Like, do you want to record this exercise? Mm-hmm. And apparently, I was walking at such a brisk ra- pace that my watch thought I was exercising. It's like, do you want to record this outside walk? And I'm like, sure. All righty. Um, so last thing I want to ask you, because I want your opinion on this. Um, overtime and the finishing procedures in the Daytona races has come under fire because we often, I say nine times out of 10, don't finish a Daytona or Talladega race, now Atlanta race, under the green flag. A, do you think overtime should still be a thing at the plate tracks? And B, how do you think, how do you think the race should end? I do not believe that at a restrictor plate racetrack, especially one like Daytona, I do not think we should race back to the yellow. Okay. I think that is just a... You think that's a problem you're ask, to happen? You're asking for trouble. Okay. I.e. Ryan Newman, i.e. Dale Earnhardt, I, and literally anybody else who's ever gotten hurt at Daytona and actually yeah. anyway. I mean that that um, same. Do I think that the, do I think you should throw the yellow and the caution at the or the yellow and the white flag at the same time? No. Yellow and checker. You mean that one? Yeah. No. Hmm. But I do also understand like how a green white checkered works. The next flag went. If you get the to the race, white, yeah. And um, he got to the white, so he won fair and square. My counterpoint to you about the injuries: Yes, we typically see more injuries at the end because we're, we're racing so damn hard and there's no f's given um but honestly a big wreck a, a bad fluke thing could happen at any track at any time um i i came up with a perfect in my mind the perfect solution for the last lap to have a finish not just decided by hey when did they push the button when did the yellow flag come out right so you have the start finish line which is typically in the middle of the front straightaway typically now, Talladega is different. Richmond's different. But typically, the front straightaway. So what you do is you find the midpoint of the racetrack. So at Daytona, I'm going to use Daytona for the example here, that is midway down the back straightaway. These people can't find a choose cone, and you want them to find the midway We're of the racetrack. We're not talking about Speed Weeks yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I already know I'm going to get a text from Austin. As, yes. Um, Target audience reached. 
you, you put an, a second, not a finish line, but a line. The start-finish line should always be the start-finish line, but you put a secondary line, not the overtime line. To hell with that. That was a disaster. But you put a, a line midway down the back straightaway. So if we come and take the white flag, if they wreck like they did in the 500 in turns one and two, yellow flag comes out, you race to that midway line. First person, that midway line is your winner. That gives you enough time to decide a winner and then slow the cars down so you can roll emergency dispatch. Now, they make it past that line, right? The field is past that line. Then the first one to give the first EMS standing outside of that line a high five wins. No. Uh, so if they make it past that line and then let's say they wreck in turn three or coming off turn four and then they throw the yellow. Then Automatic win to Ricky Stenhouse. There it is. That's exactly <laughs> what I was setting up, but only if those conditions are met. But no, if the wreck happens past that secondary line, then you race to the actual start finish line. We can get a finish and we can still have enough time in my mind. Some may say otherwise. In my mind, you get a, give these guys enough time to slow down to where you can still dispatch your safety team. So Safe, nobody's going on the, tr- the hot track though. If they're still at speed, nobody's going on. The track. And you know what? If there's people, let's say behind the wreck, then those cars get frozen. They're they're not going to be a factor anyway. Why you, is that fair to them? You, you shouldn't be that far behind. Even a loose squirrel finds it's not. Hello, Ricky Stenhouse just won the Daytona 500. And Riley Herbst finished tenth. Cody Ware finished Pastrana finished eleventh, and Cody Ware fifteenth. The the loveliness of Daytona. So you mean the luckliness? Yeah, Luck, that. luckliness. Luck, yep, that, luckiness. We know what you're saying. It's late. Um, yeah. So one. I'm still drunk. That's that's what I would do. I, I know it's probably not feasible, but that's what I would do to get more finishes out of the race, or at least a a, a place like a, a set marker for us to race to instead of just oh caution came out, you're in the lead. Okay, you win. Now that benefited Ricky, so it's great. But I'm just saying. Oh, she's going to hit me with the shoe. She doesn't like the rule. We're not right. doing it. Hey, dudes only weigh like half a pound. So Half a pound? What? <laughs> with, with that said, any any final thoughts on the 500? Anything that we missed on? Um, I, I, think it's, I think it was a great race. Great way to start the season. In and, case uh, you missed it. What? Richard Lynn Stenhouse Jr. won. I think that's all that needs to be said. October, nope, that's not his birthday. You don't know his birthday. I think, yeah, I do. I think it's October 4th. I got to double check. Well. I know that, the, hang on, wait. I think we've, I think we've about covered it all. We we can, anybody listening can go look up his birthday, which Margot just did. <laughs> no, I just said October 4th, didn't I? Is that it? It's October 2nd. It's well, close enough. Close enough. All right, well, with that said, before we get any more of Ricky Stenhouse's personal information. Um, he was born in Baptist okay. East Hospital All in right. Tennessee. You know who else was born in that hospital? Coming up next, Me. we have a full comprehensive recap of the World Series. Before we get there, I want to thank all of our sponsors. So we'll take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we'll talk World Series. And we have a very special guest who's going to tell, oh, oh yeah, going to tell a story um, very interesting one. A story um, will be told. And then after we hear from our special guest, I have updated power rankings, uh, final power rankings from this year's World Series. I have updated power rankings for NASCAR. I have fantasy picks for California and a little bit more, and that will wrap up the show. So commercial break. We'll be back after that with the World Series recap. Hey, everybody, I want to take a quick moment here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first American Auto. 
They are located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach. You can get a hold of them at 386-428-1941 for tires and service. They've got you covered 100% of the time. For fast, dependable service, you can always count on American Auto. We also thank 124 Welding and Fabrication with Ron D'Alessandro and his company for coming on board and supporting the show here. Uh, make sure you check out their Etsy store. Uh, go to Etsy.com and search 124 Welding and Fab. That'll come right up. You can see some of the great items that Ron has for sale. And of course, you can reach out to them if you want uh, some custom work done. They do all kinds of stuff, welding and fabrication, obviously, but uh, great decorations and metalworking available for sale as well at 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out the Etsy store. We also thank our good friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells, one of our major sponsors here on the show. Um, they do, I, I mean, just high-quality work. If you want the best in safety, you get the best with Schultz. Um, they have been hiring. If you're looking for a good place to work, I know a number of people now working over there. Um, get with get with Rob at uh, 732-922-4334. And uh, see what they're looking for. See what's available. If you like a great work environment and uh, get to work with some really cool things. If you like racing and um, you like hands-on work, this is definitely the place for you. And, of course, make sure you get your Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. That way, in the case of an emergency, you know you're protected by the best. But check them out on the web, Schultz Racing Fuel Cells and Schultz Products. Also, we welcome our good friends at DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board, one of our new major sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Once you get your service done at American Auto, you know if you're involved in an incident, you need some body work done, make sure you take it to DeBerry Paint and Body. That's the only place I trust with my vehicle, so make sure you take them there. You can call them at 386-320-0267. They are located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713 and they are open uh, Monday through Friday 9 to 6 and Saturdays before race day from 10 to 1 so make sure you get with them if you need any body work hey if your car's looking a little dull in the Florida sun they got you covered as well that is DeBerry Paint and Body we thank them for coming on board and we welcome a brand new sponsor for tax season here at the Racing with Ryan podcast got to make sure you get those taxes done and you want to make sure it's done by somebody who's going to do you right. We welcome SRQ Taxes. That is, of course, our good friend Steve Darling. Uh, they are a family-owned tax practice with offices located in Sarasota, Florida, but they can assist with taxes anywhere via their secure portal. Uh, you can give them a call at 941-840-1099, 941-840-1099, or for more information, you can visit srqtaxes.com. And again, if uh, somebody's going to be handling my money, I want to make sure it's it's somebody that I know and trust, and I know that Steve will take good care of you. So SRQ Taxes, thank you for coming on board and uh, being the official tax partner of the Racing with Ryan podcast. And hey, with all these sponsorships, yeah, we're going to need some taxes too. And we'd also like to welcome brand new sponsor to the podcast, Jacked Racing. Make sure you check them out on YouTube and all other social medias. Of course, that is Jack Hall, the driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck that we'll see in action during the World Series and the regular season at the New Smyrna Speedway and some other tracks as well. 
Make sure you follow Jacked Racing on YouTube for all of their updates and great content. Follow their TikTok as well if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, we thank them for taking advantage of our special World Series offer here. Um, they clicked on the uh, on the PayPal link, and they are now a sponsor for the World Series episodes. If you'd like to get on board, make sure you check out the Racing with Ryan Facebook page and click on that link, and you too can become a sponsor, just $5 an episode. But make sure you check out Jacked Racing on YouTube, and make sure you check them out at your nearest short track as well. Uh, we also thank our good buddy Andy Morrison with Never Give Up Racing, a huge supporter of Florida short track racing. He has some great picture frames that are available. Uh, he gave some of those out during the banquet back a couple of weeks ago, and he sent me some information on the Never Give Up Racing light-up picture frames. If you would like to get one, you can call Andy or text Andy at 407-675-1769. They are $35 a piece. They'll make a great addition to any man cave or even living room. So make sure you check those out. I know he's got hats and T-shirts available all the time as well, and he will be doing a lot to support, uh, especially Bomber A and B Racing at New Smyrna, but Short Track Racing as a whole, this coming season. Again, if you'd like to come on board, there's always opportunity, just $5 an episode. You name what you want to do and we'll get it on the show. And we appreciate everybody for their support, past or present. And now we'll let you get back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Um, hope you enjoyed our recap of Daytona. I had to start with that. It's just super special for Margo to see her literal like favorite driver slash person in the world win the race. So we will now use the remaining time that I have with Margot uh, before she has to go to bed. I'm so uh, tired. I think the third segment I might be solo for, but uh, we're going to... the third segment? Huh? Is that your interview? Uh, I guess the, the fourth segment because there was an interview. So yeah. Um, but no, we're going to talk about the World Series um, real quick. I, I really, really enjoyed this World Series. It was tiring. But again, if I'm not tired by, you know, night seven or six of the World Series, I'm not doing my job right. So... Um, yes, it was tiring. Yes, there's a lot going on. Um, but man, I, I enjoyed it. I, I made a post about just enjoying sharing it with uh, with with my daughter, who her favorite thing now is to wave her arm in circles and go vroom 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 vroom. So I think I've done, I think I've done well. Um, I can say I'm a good dad now. Um, oh yeah, you can say it now. Yeah. Well, well. Listen, my whole thing was I got to make sure she likes race cars or else I'm a failure. Um, so that's I good. I have to make sure that she likes the Alabama Crimson Tide. Oh my God! Why? <laughs> what? What tie does she have to the Crimson Tide at this point? Her brother. Okay, fair enough. Um, but no, uh, very. That's the answer I give when he knows he's about to fuck around and find out about my Alabama love. Well, it works. So, um, I, uh, she's, she's we're, we're moving on oh. from Ricky's ten house. Or, they can go back and listen to the first segment. Ricky Winhouse. That's it. That's the that's the title of the podcast. It's yes. Ricky Winhouse now, bitches. But I'm going to leave that part out because <laughs> people might not click. Um, yeah. So o- overall, I thought it was a good World Series. The rain really sucked. the The rain at the beginning, Friday, uh, cutting everything with the sports and race that sucked. Uh, the rain b- before the wheel and race that sucked. Luckily, we got the wheeling race in. Then we had good weather until Friday, and the rain on Friday, that was that was just heartbreaking. Um, 
I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, the call that was made on Friday is what I would have done, but I'm not going to sit here and complain about it either because they did, they at least took care of the Tormod guys. I know there's some fans that are pissed off. A lot of people are pissed off. We lost the Richie Evans Memorial. We lost Governor's Cup and Richie Evans this year. And I, that that's two of our biggest races that literally are lost. Now, there's going to be statistics in history. Somebody will look back and see the 2023 Richie Evans. Matt Hirschman won it, but there's a huge... Like I when I talked to Rusty about it, he's like, yeah, it's official, but yeah, there's going to be a huge asterisk next to it because those are literally the qualifying results. That's what they paid him off of. That's where they gave him points off of. So yeah, Friday was a huge disappointment. And I think some of that bled into Saturday. Um, but Saturday, in my opinion, what should have been an extreme Debbie Downer of a night, like a real debt. Like you thought Friday was a Debbie Downer. Like Saturday should have just been like a, honestly, Saturday ended the World Series on a high note. That bomber race at the end was a hell of a lot of fun. Oh my God, that was so fun. That race was great. I thought I was going to lose my voice cheering for Chuck and Tony. Sorry, Tommy Bromley. Tommy, yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. That was and a, David Bromley. Yeah, l- listen, the CRA guys, they, they do their best. Vroom, vroom, vroom. There's Peyton, vroom, vroom, vroom. No, they, they, uh, poor Greg, he was asking me about the locals and he didn't ask me about the, 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 Bromley's, I thought he had him right. He, he didn't. It's just, it's part of it. But now the bomber race was great. The the super late model race, that was the best Orange Blossom 100 we've seen in a long time. There was a lot going on in that race. Say what you want about super late model racing. That was a fun race. The rivalry between Anthony Campier Racing and Donnie Wilson coming to a head. Um, James Lynch out of nowhere leading like the first half of the race. And Who's, taking everybody's was that ass. the 76 was? Yeah. Yeah. The one that you're like, that's sus. You know, that well, kid. it's because somebody, and I'm I'm sorry, I don't remember if it was Jason or Derek or Gunny that was like, okay, this guy's literally ran like shit the entire week, no, he and did. now he's out like... He actually did pretty walking good. Walking the dog. He was top 10 most nights. Oh, okay. And, and I, I guess I him. just really hadn't paid that much attention because I'm sorry if Modifieds are around. I don't give a... He was, he was parked up by, by you and Rob, and yeah, I, never, I, I never got a chance to actually go talk to him, but I saw him sitting in the infield after uh, like, one of the practice sessions. He was at, like, sessions. the 90-degree angle. Like, right. Yeah. And every time I went up there, he was either backing out, and I never got a chance to talk to him up there. I didn't know anything about him. My notes in my big-ass notebook that I had for him literally said, raised trucks in the Midwest and has one late-model start, which was a DNQ at the Dick Trickle 99. <laughs> That's all I had for this guy, okay? Um... And I saw him sitting in the infield after a practice, and I walked up to him and I said, hey, um, I, I just want to tell you, you're doing really good out here this week. Like, I, I, I think you're, you're doing a fantastic job. And I'm like, and he goes, oh, thank you, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. And then I'm like, this is your, like, first time in a late model, right? And he goes, yeah, we ran one race back home last year, and it didn't go so well, and we just decided to come down here and get seat time. And I'm like, well, you've done an incredible job. No matter what happens tonight, and then he, he gets the invert. He leads the first half of the race. He faded at the end and had mechanical problems, which was like the story of the late models. But I just, I think the only time I actually talked to him was he was in awe, <laughs> like everybody else in the pit area, when we rolled the Daytona through. And he had to come oh. over. And he had to come over. Like, I'm sorry. We had the coolest cars in the pit area the entire week. Yeah. But that- we... I, I mean, we being the 602 Club, Schultz, 
huge, huge, huge shout out to the garage shop. Huge. To the garage shop out in Denver, North Carolina for bringing down some badass machines. Yeah. I got to go to the Streamline Hotel because, dude, this was the speed weeks of my life. Yeah, you you had a hell of an experience. Um, that that far, that thing was amazing. Um, I, I, I wish we still had cars like that to race, but we don't. Um, so, yeah, just there's, there's a lot of cool things about Speed Weeks. Um, I posted on my Facebook the the story of when I was walking to the, the campground that, that one night and I happened to find something sticking out of the mud and I grabbed it and it was somebody's ID and I was literally like, I'm going to put this in my wallet and turn it into the office tomorrow because somebody will come looking for it. And someone walks by me and he goes, oh, man, what a night, huh? And I'm like, yeah, it was. And I'm like, I literally go, well, I don't know what awkwardly I could say to this guy. So I literally said, hey, um, you're not from, I think it was, I think it was from Illinois or something. I'm yeah. like, you're not from Illinois, are you? And he goes, actually, yeah, I am. And I'm like, what? And I look at the license. I'm like, what's your name? And he goes, and he tells me the name of the license. I'm like, dude, I just found your license in the mud. And he goes, oh my God. And he like checks it. He fumbles around with his pocket. And he goes, I didn't even realize I lost that. But I, and I, just, I hand it to him. I go, what a, what a good time for us to pass each other. Like, how crazy was that? And then the next weekend, Richard Griffiths shows up with his pro truck. And I, I see this, this thing gets put on Sunshine State Racing. And they actually message it to me. And they're like, hey, you know, be good people. If you find a money clip, like it belongs to, to somebody, turn it in, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, oh, God, nobody's going to find that. That's like... And then Richard messages me and is like, hey, man, I'm just putting it out there. You know, I don't, I know there's not much you can do, but if you could spread the word, yeah, blah, 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 if you could check Lost and Found for me. And so I talked to him. I'm like, where did you have it? And he set up by the, the pit gate. He dropped his, he had, you know, one of those black clips that you can mm -hmm. stack papers to. And he had, a, it was literally clipped to his money that he needed to A, buy tires, to pay Chad, to pay his way in whatever money he was going to need for the weekend. And he's talking to me. He's like, you know, it may not be a whole lot of money, but to me, that's a lot of money. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man, like I could understand if I lost any of my money, I'd be in trouble too. And um, so I shared, I, I shared the the original post on, on the New Smyrna Facebook page and somebody, thank God, thank God, somebody from Nick Noggle's crew, I believe his name was Mitch. He, he found the, he found the money clip and turned it into the pit office. And he goes, you know, I wasn't sure what to do with this because, like, I didn't want to just give it to some random official. <laughs> Leave it to a Canadian, eh? Yeah. And then he's like, well, then I, you know, I saw the Facebook post about turning it into the pit office, and I was right by the pit office. And so I went in, and I, I grabbed the I, – I got the money because I wanted to bring it to Richard. And uh, um, then I found out who turned it in. I went and thanked him because I'm like, you know what? That's just – some people would take a. I didn't. I don't know how much money was in there. It was a significant amount of money. It would have been a nice thing to leave the racetrack with, and somebody, a, a good soul, turned it in and and really made Richard's day. Never mind the fact that then he podiumed that night. Okay, so can we t can we talk about people and like you know making people's day and like being nice humans and not messing with people's money? Yeah, we're going to talk about that at the end because I want to segue into the conversation with our guest. So hold on to that. Um, they, these are the good stories. We have the bad stories at the end. Um, you know, and then, and then you just, you, you get to, honestly, the, the, the people with the 602 modifieds were some of the nicest people in the pits for no, the most part. The, the, most part. the people driving the 602 modifieds. Sure. 
The um, Rogalskis, that's my new favorite. Yeah. That is my new favorite family. I talked to them like five times today. They are so amazing. You know, I... I, I think it's Brad. They're the only... That's the only team that came up to like our 602 welcome party. Yeah. Was the Rogalskis. I think Scott Riggleman came up, but he doesn't count. I didn't know who he was. Oh, yeah. He's the, and he he's was the so... Yeah. I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was when he was up there, and he was so mad at me. Well, a lot of times I'll, I'll walk around and, and like, I try look, to get... If you're not in a fire suit, I don't know who you are. Like, I do a lot of my research on these guys before I get to the racetrack, because um, that way I don't... A, I don't kill my voice trying to yell over people, and A, I'm not in the way. So a lot of times I go down and I'm just getting sponsors. That's the only thing, because I don't like to get sponsors off of old pictures because they might change... But nine times out of ten, when I was getting a 602 sponsor, they would act, even Hartwig would come up and they would talk to me. And they, they would literally be like, hey, you know, I, I would be like, first they would kind of side on me a little bit. Like, what's this guy writing down about my car? Like, I went through tech. What the hell? I warned most of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, no, I'm just, I'm just here to get sponsors. And they would be like, oh, well, here, take this one and this one and this one. And it's like, oh, and then Evan's the champion of this, and this guy. You know, I don't know what just, I did to terrify Paul Hartwig, but he is so nice to no, me. No, he he was nice to me too, um, and he I always made, has. Been. I made the boy Even tuck. When, I made him tuck his his tail between his legs. <laughs> Even that first year when he came and he had issues parking, like he was nice to me about it. Oh, he's got issues. Well, don't we all? We're we're race fans slash racers, um, but no, just just good people, man. It was a good group, like. No fights this year. No, a couple shoving matches. Couple, <laughs> I was going to say, we had, oh, we had a crew member go after the 602 tech man. Yeah, there there were some things. <laughs> like pushing and some shoving. Things, but after 10, 11 days of being around, being stuck in the, the pit area. That was on tech night. Well, there, like I said, there were some things. There were some things that went down, but nothing. The, the worst thing that happened was the rain out uh, of the Richie Evans. And... It's like I said two weeks Jerry, ago. Uh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Simon. Simon's Hans device. <laughs> yeah. There was Jerry Gradle's uh, Hans device and Jerry Simon's oh, Jer- helmet. Jerry Gradle's. Yes. Yep. Got, yep. Ha- got my Jerry's mixed yep. up. At least you had the, the, right, the right first name. But, yeah, you know, there were some things. Stuttering. There were some heated moments. But um, overall, the, the worst thing was the rain. And the, the one thing I said, like, there are going to be things that happen. Things There are going to be things that don't go your way. The only thing we can't control is the weather, and the weather got us a couple of nights, and it sucked. But I think we made the most of it. After getting three straight years with not a single rainout of any race whatsoever, it's bound to happen, and I'm glad we got the racing. It just made it made the racing that we got in more intense. Wait, so, what? What do you mean, what? After three years of what? After three years of not having a single race rained out. At New Smyrna? During Speed Weeks. I was going to say, During we, had, weeks, we talk- had an entire season. I'm talking, right I'm talking speed weeks. I'm talking speed weeks. Um, so, yeah, there were some things. There were some calls that didn't go people's way. Um, my 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 big thing with this is, guys, if, if a call does not go your way, if a wreck takes you out, please don't try to ruin it for everybody else. Don't too. go to the announcer's stand because you know who's crazy? Me. Oh, oh the, you know... I told the story about the the spotter from Tim Moore's, uh, well, Robert Deal's spotter at the time, and I apologize to Brickhouse Motorsports about my my screw up on the ownership deal. That hey, was Louis, just a, how you feeling? Yeah, yeah, that was just a that was just a screw up. I was I was riffing on a story, and I I told the story wrong. It's just my, that's my fault. The only spotter allowed to come at the announcer is, is you. Me. Yeah, 
I'm um, just saying. And if y'all come at him, I'm crazy. So I, I literally, you know, I told that story a few weeks ago. And then during the Clyde Hart Memorial, uh, I guess it was Stephen Nassie leaking fluid or something. Oh. But spotters are knocking <laughs> on the window and they're just throwing their hands up. And I can't hear, they're, I see their mouths moving. Blah, 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 blah. But I, I can't make out what they're saying. I'm trying to concentrate on the race. I've got a, Where was a room the full. official up on No, top? I got a room full of officials going, what the hell do they want? So there's noise in the tower. There's spotters trying to, and I'm like, what are they trying to say? Are they mad because somebody had to pit? What are they mad about? Like, did somebody hit somebody? Like, what? I don't, I don't know what they're mad about. I don't know whose spotters these are. They were trying to, in hindsight, it's really easy. They were trying to say, that somebody was leaking fluid and then Jet Nolan spun out. So of I was I was but, asked as soon as I got up there who I was spotting for. I spotted for a super late. Well, model. some of these guys they were on the steps. They didn't go oh, up to the yeah. tower because there See, was like thirty one cars in that race. And there so. was also nothing said over the train over the race receiver. I know because I had one in. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, okay, well, Stephen Nassie just pulled in. I would like to know why. I mean, I'm laughing inside, but I would like to know why. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, cool. Nothing's coming over the race receiver. Nothing's coming over the race receiver. And then. Matt Weaver, thank God, is like, oh, and it appears that Stephen Nassie has broken a rear end. And I'm like, oh, he's got a leaky butt. Yeah, he did have a leaky butt. Um, the lead was not the place to be for that race. No, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but no, those are just some of the some of the stories that I specifically remember from this year's World Series. And we got a big one. Luke Baldwin? I, I'm talking about, like, aside from what happened on the racetrack. These are, like, the overlying, like, I mean, a Baldwin back, back in Victory Lane at New Smyrna Speedway isn't right. big enough for you? We haven't got to the racing yet. That's what I'm saying. These were the, You were just talking about racing. Yeah, a Baldwin back do, in Victory this, Lane at New Smyrna isn't... This didn't have to do with the cars on the track. This had to do with the spotters, like the surrounding stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm done with those stories, except I got for, to be a super <coughs> spotter again. You did? And then I got to be a super mad spotter again. Oh, well... Yeah, I happens. spotted for Patrick Thomas a few nights. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. And you were going to spot for our special guest who's coming up here in a minute. Um, I also got, got to take some notes from a former Xfinity Truck Series ARCA spotter. That was pretty cool. That's invaluable. ARCA stuff. crew chief. Yeah. And Patrick's like, oh, you've gotten better. I'm like, thanks. Yeah, you've been, you've been doing it consistently now for a couple of years. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that even drivers of the caliber of Patrick Thomas recognize that. Um, I mean, he's the best. Again, we, we do have one other big story to talk about here, and I'm going to let Margo take kind of the lead on that at the end here. Um, and then we'll hear from Jack Hall himself, and we'll get the resolution to this story. Because um, it's it's kind of unprecedented. So, And I'm sure many of you listening already know, because it's out there, but we're going to talk about it, and we're going to hear from Mr. Jack Hall here in a bit. So let's get into the racing overall. I'm going to go over my predictions from a couple weeks ago that – some were right, some were wrong, and Margo can scoff at me. Um, also, I'm going to go over my the big race choices that I made and see how wrong I was. Um, and I'm also going to rank each division. I'm not going to sit here and talk about each race night tonight. The one thing I will say, and Margo alluded to this a few minutes ago, the Clyde Hart Memorial, that was the wonkiest super late model God, race I've so seen. so weird. Like, you, if you were in the lead or second, you had you blew a motor – or you broke a rear end, or you had something in the suspension brake, and, of course, that put the race right into William Byron's hand, and he oh, won it for the second year in a row, which is cool. Like, that's super cool that he won that race, but I don't think he was going to beat Bubba that night. I really think Bubba had the car to beat. And then, until uh, he didn't. Until he didn't, and finished 11th. So, um, that race was interesting. Wallet, uh, Pollard? Sorry. The, uh, 
Honestly, I think this, the big super light model races were really good. The super series race was was great. Great turnout. Huge car count. Um, the annoying part about that race was the guy from Five Flags who wanted to interject and to oh do the broadcast and I then complained so about confused. it. I was like, who is this? No, he was super cool. And and I got a message from Adam Mackey. He's like, hey, the, the gentleman from Five Flags who's with the Super Series is here. Um, could add, you know, a different uh, dimension to your broadcast. Like, you could do some pit reporting or something. And I had Austin at the time up there with me. And I'm like, I'm not going to kick out Austin out of the booth for this guy that I don't know because me and Austin work well <laughs> together. <laughs> Sorry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to address him in a minute. Um, so <laughs> he's gonna want to kill me. I talked to this guy and he seems super cool. Like, yeah, I'm just here to help out. I'm gonna be here anyways. And he's like, so I to to get him involved and said, Hey, you know, you know a lot of these guys. Would you like to do driver intros out on the racetrack? Uh, and uh, because I'm thinking, how how what better way to get this guy in front of the big crowd where they can actually hear him than driver intros? Yeah. Uh, because I do driver intros all the time. Um, so I offered him that and he's like, and I can do some, he's like, if I'm gonna be down there then let me just keep the microphone and I'll do some pit reporting for you too. And I said, that sounds great. I am going to warn you that the range of this microphone is from that side of the wall to that side of the wall. And he's like, oh. And I'm like, that's the best. I'm not lying to you. I'm telling you straight up. And he goes, well, I'll make it work. So he did. He got some some stuff. Um, this was during the time where we had the major PA issues. The For anybody wondering... Just segue real quick. Remember, if you were at the racetrack and the PA sounded off to you the first uh, half of the week, um, the the amp that we use that is actually connected to the speakers was overheating. And when it did that, it was not at full capacity. So it was not pumping out um, venue quality uh, noise. It, it was working. No, no, it's just screensaver. It, that freaks me out when I'm it does sorry. That. I'm sorry. I'm um, sorry. So it, it wasn't working at its full capacity. And I monitor off the soundboard mm -hmm. because that's what's on top of the table. That's what I see. The uh, the amp is underneath the main counter. There's two separate things. One is an amp and one is an extra power strip. And those are both below me. So I monitor off the soundboard because that's typically what you monitor your levels on. And everything on the soundboard looked normal. But then when I would halfway through the night, when I would go out on the track and do interviews, I'm like, it sounds really dull. And I couldn't understand why until um, it was during the Blewett race on Wednesday. Austin, uh, he's like, hey, I'm going to go be a fan for this one. He went to sit, sit in the stands. And he's like, hey, Ben is cutting in and out like every minute, minute and a half. And we had been having problems when we go to Victory Lane and we'd be interviewing at like third place. It, the microphone would just cut out. Like the microphone was still yeah. on. But the sound would go out. You heard it plenty yeah, of times. Yeah, heard it. And Tom, times. at one point, told me, he's like, hey, when that happens, I can still hear you, by the way. So I can hear you motherfuck the mic every time it happens. Um, and I'm like, well, that's weird because the microphone is on. It's just not. So I started putting all the pieces together. And when Austin was like, hey, Ben is cutting in and out, I'm looking at the soundboard. And there, the the levels are fine. And then I go outside and I'm like, yeah, there's no PA. What the What the hell is happening? Then I go back in and I'm like, you know what? It's really hot down by my feet, like really hot. And I put my hand on the amp and I'm like, holy shit, it's burning up. Like it was hot. Like not just like, okay, this machine is working hot. Like it was hot. And then I was watching the, the there's levels on the amp as well. And I was watching those. And when I was then listening for the sound and when, when I would realize that there was nothing projecting outside of the booth, 
the lights would go red. So it was literally shutting itself. When it got too hot, it would shut itself down to protect itself. Same amp, same. So um, that's what was going on with the sound. So it took me half the, and I'm, and I'm sorry it took me this long to diagnose. I, I know how to use this stuff, but when it doesn't work, that is, I am not an electrician. I am not a machinist. So I finally diagnosed it and thank you to the hearts and everybody at the track for quickly getting us a replacement because that could have been a thing like, okay, because I got a fan on it and was able to cool it down to get through the night. And I, I was expecting them to just be like, well, just baby it, get through speed weeks. We'll get something for the regular season. But they got us a new amp. Uh, thank you to Kenny for helping me hook it up because that was a, it was a different kind of hookup in the back. So thank you to Kenny for helping me get that figured out. We got a new amp. The thing's working great. It sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, the guy that I worked with, uh, and, and I'm not knocking on this guy, but it just sucks that he he then came up to the tower and wanted to complain about it. It's like, dude, we let you be a part of the show. And you complained about it. And then, you know, ironically, um, you know, Austin was was there with me for the first half of the week. And I thank him for his help. It was real fun working with him. And he, he was, he's, he's real fun to work with. Uh, our, our rapport, and you say this all the time, like, we work well together, do we not? You you do, but it's because you guys aren't just like racetrack buddies. You're not just co-announcers. You're friends. Right, right. And that's the easiest person to work with is your friend. And really, he helped me a lot. I had this pesky, especially at night, I had this pesky cough, so it was kind of nice to not have to talk, 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 talk. I could bounce off of him. Uh, he could pick up the slack a little bit. Um, and then he pulled a Margo. Yeah, he, you he know. He got fired because of his opinion. I understand where the track was coming from, but Austin, was, Austin was not a part of the modified uh, broadcast. And honestly, his post was more like, well, this this particular race was boring. It didn't live up to the hype. I thought for sure he posted that to ruffle my feathers, but apparently he didn't know that I had been asleep. <laughs> yeah, it, it was just more like, well, that just didn't... These, these guys haven't lived up to the hype Sorry. this week. And that struck a chord because, honestly, the tour mods are part of the big reason why Speed Weeks is so successful. And the tracks point was like, you know, hey... If you're going to be a part of something, you don't need to be bashing it. And look, I got in trouble for that same thing last year, and they could have fired me. Um, I probably should have gotten fired because I was very uh, harsh with my uh, constructive criticism of a certain thing last year. And uh, I talked to everybody and smoothed it out. And I realized, you know, the, the biggest thing I realized, especially with doing this podcast, is don't shit where you eat. You know what I mean? So I get it. And Austin and Russ even said, you know, hey, he's entitled to his opinion, but I can't have him up there. So Austin and, and me and Austin talked, and I, I felt so bad having to be the messenger on that. Um, I, I really appreciate everything he did and his friendship, and uh, I just made sure that uh, when I had to tell him, uh, I was just like, hey, please don't let this uh, jeopardize our friendship because this is not my decision. I'm just the messenger here. And he, you know, I, I'll give Austin a lot of credit because he could have totally then just gotten on Facebook and MF'd everything, and he didn't. He he took it well and knew that he was appreciated by, you know, me, so, and you, whatever. Eh. So, anyways, uh, Austin, you're appreciated. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, so, going back to... Um, I want to ask you, because I want to get your opinions on this stuff, what was your favorite race of the weekend? Uh, or of the World Series? And, and I know you were... 
you were here, you were there, you were at camp, you were at home, you were in different parts, so you probably didn't see everything. But what was, in your experience, your favorite race of the weekend? The first 602 race. Because of the finish? Not the race. The, the, the finish. finish. Yeah, that was not like, topped. That was, close. That was incredible. That's like go back to Hirschman and Nosella. Mm, mm-hmm. Hirschman and Rogalski still won that. I will definitely give that one best finish, but I think the best overall race was the um, was the Tormod 200. Well, that was a good race, too. That race was great. The The pit strategy mixed things up. Hard racing. I Man, that was like... The racing with like 40 to go was so good. It was like back and forth, lead changes. It was kind of like Daytona, back and forth, and you had different people up front, and they were passing, mixing it up for the lead, and then they had the big wreck. Also, the Bomber B race until, oh, until yes. the DQ. Bomber B race was great. The until DQ the was, inevitable DQ. Yeah, the DQ was... I saw it coming. That took the wind out of my sails a little bit because I felt for for Noah, but, I, you know, if you don't go to tech... If you don't go to tech... I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that it wasn't just like, oh, yeah, they found something random on his car. I, I'm happy to hear that it was like a mistake and not like a tech call. Yeah, you know it what was I mean? a mistake. Do you know what I mean? He didn't know any better. Let's DQ him because of who finished second. I'm no, sorry. No, that's honestly, Frank, and if you listen to this, that's honestly what I thought too. I was like, it's man, so what of I course think. they found something. Send me a picture of your trophy all you want. Woohoo! Yeah. You didn't, and, and that that's fine. But I, I, I understand he's never won before. He got excited, but he's been on the podium before, so he knows top three go to tech. So I think this, if anything, it's going to give Noah all the confidence in the world going forward. So it's still a good thing. Frank gets his World Series trophy. A Hell win in tech is not a win. It's a win, but. It diminished. Frank didn't get his his moment in victory lane. He's got the trophy, but he didn't have his moment in victory lane. Noah got his moment in victory lane. He got all the TV stuff. Both of them will get their first wins again. That's how I look at it. Um, so with, with all that said, I want to look back at my predictions here, division by division. Uh, in the tour mods, I gave you three drivers that I thought would be good in a wild card. And to quickly recap, I'm not going to dwell on this too much. Um, I picked Matt Hirschman, nailed that. Uh, wow. Jimmy Blewett did not perform very well. I think I think Jimmy Blewett had too much other stuff going on this week with all, with all the cars that they had. Um, Anthony Nocella, third. He showed up at the end of the week, but wasn't really a factor. Um, Teddy Hodgson was my wild card, blew a motor on the first night and did get a podium finish on Thursday. Um, so that was good. So yeah, kind of hit or miss there. I did not have Patrick Emmerling picked and that was a huge miss. Um, in the super late models, I had Casey Roderick absolutely nailed that a couple of wins in a championship. I had William Swalich again, a couple of wins and runner up in the championship plus the orange blossom 100 victory. Uh, Derek Griffith. Yeah, that was a miss. That team was off. So off, as a matter of fact, they sat out the Orange Blossom and left early, which was sad to see, but they just didn't have the week they expected. I have an opinion on that one. Which one? Derek Griffith? Yeah. What's, what's your opinion? What's the hype with this kid? I mean, he won. He was the first back-to-back Super Late Model World Series champion since, like, 92. But in, like, the last two years, he has done absolute shit with well, that. Last year, he was in championship contention. Until they got wrecked by Jesse Love. Okay, cool. So he runs good at New Smyrna. Where else does he? I, I'm sorry. I'm going to get hate for this. It's not because I'm an anti-Derek Griffith. I just want to know where the hype comes from. He's not that good. He's had some good World Series, and, and he runs okay up north. 
Um, his Xfinity starts have been with Sam Hunt Racing, and that's not the best team. I'd like to see him in a Gibbs car. I think he'd be a good fit at Gibbs. But um, I don't know. But your, your criticism, I, I don't like him. Your criticism is fair this year because they were off, and he admits that. So, um, so yeah, swing and a miss with Derek Griffith. My wild card was Gabe Somers. He did respectable. He finally got a top three finish there towards the end. In the prolates, I had Michael Hind. Oof. Oof. Man. What a rough World Series for Michael Hine. My God. First of all, if you listen to this show and you have never had the pleasure of meeting the Hind family. It's a great group. Go down in the pits, introduce yourself, say hi to them. Hell, just walk into their pit area and they're going to offer you a plate of food. They are the nicest people. I love how Michael signed Peyton's trike. Oh, my God. so awesome. So you haven't gotten into the 602 stuff, but the crazy night... (laughs) Mm, yeah. The 602s. Yeah. Michael just looked at me. He goes, "Don't look." I'm like shit. Oh. He goes, "Don't yeah. look." And don't the look co- at it. And then, the, and then the record came. And he goes, "And then you looked at it." He goes, "Don't look." Yeah. I'm like, "I have to look." He's like, "You looked, didn't you?" I'm like, "Yeah, it's, it's bad." Well, Michael got wrecked. What was it night one with the prolate? Yeah. And then the backup car wasn't very good, so they switched engines. They put the old engine in the new car. I hate. He and then he got wrecked such- again. Like, night one happened, and I looked at... I can't remember who I was sitting with. I think it might have been Austin. I don't know. I was sitting with somebody. I'm like, oh, my God. It's like reliving night eight last year. Right. But at the beginning, so that just takes all the wind out of your sails. And then he got... Like, he just... And then the... I I believe they burnt up a rear end on the super late. Yeah. And when that happened, and then they wrecked the pro the next night, they said, to hell with it. Like, Michael Hind packing up early is... That's when you know your week is just really bad. They did... And it's I not like so I didn't, bad. it's not a miss because Michael Hind is bad. They just had really like where they had all the luck last year, they had a nightmare this year. So so bad. Um number two, I had Hunter Wright. He did respect respectable. Um still hasn't gotten that win. Where'd he end up in points? Let me check that real quick. Because he did fine. The first night he had a backup car and came up to like fifth. Um, third in points. That's very solid. Uh four top five, six top tens, and six races. That's very solid World Series. Um, so I would say, I would say that's a successful pick. Uh, I also had Brent Cruz who finished fourth in points and get the win, but four top fives and, uh, five top tens, one crash. So, okay. He did all right. Uh, Ryan Luza was the real wild card, but I had no idea who was going to be there until practice day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got some yeah. Wild cards yeah we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Katie Hettinger was my wild card and she did great. Um, you could definitely tell where her inexperience was. Especially Passing. in, yes, uh, especially in closing out races. But she did get a big win towards the end, and she drove her ass off and got some good seat time. I was happy to see her win that. Me I know, too. I know. I, I know. Margo hates female drivers. Right, right. I know how you feel about female drivers, but you got to admit, she did pretty well. I was so happy to see her yeah. win. She did great. And you know what I liked about her? It wasn't just about Katie Hettinger this week. When Casey Roderick was in victory lane, Casey, uh, um, Katie was out there. When Bill Burba was in victory lane or up on the podium. Casey and Katie were there. So Katie was with, she was a team player all week. And that to me shows that you're, you know, it's not just a self-centered thing. She does. She's not out there taking Instagram photos and making a, you know, twirling her hair around and sticking her making ass a out. TikTok and, using Speedway videos footage and not giving credit sure. to Speedway. <laughs> sure. But my, my point is she was there to race. She was there to learn and you could tell that she got better 
throughout the week. So I think that was a very good wild wild card pick by me um, in a very competitive Champion pro late model division. Uh, Connor Jones won the championship, of course. Um, his original press release said his focus was on the super late model, but things went so well on the pro late model side, they stuck it out. He finally got that championship. I have mixed thoughts on Connor Jones. Um, wasn't impressed with him last year. He did. He's, he does some immature things. The kid is young. I saw him like pretending like he was making it rain with his feature winnings and then joking about how much the winnings were and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. $50 yeah, and that, that just rubbed me the wrong way because Speed Weeks, again, it's not about getting rich. It's about getting noticed and having a good time and getting some seat time and experience um, and enjoying yourself. Um, but then one night when, when Peyton was running around the bar afterwards and I was hanging out, Connor Jones came out with his trophy and he was super sweet to to Peyton. He didn't have to be. Peyton was running around in his way and he could have mowed over her like he did to the competition. Uh, but he took the time and he engaged with her and was was super sweet. So again, and, and Austin was there and he goes, I gotta admit, that was pretty cool. So kind of mixed, mixed reaction there, mixed emotions as far as Connor Jones went. But congratulations to him. He's super talented. We'll see what he does in the trucks. Um you know, uh, I'm glad he got his championship that eluded him after the last couple of years, but I'd like to, I hope he matures. I hope he doesn't turn into another Kyle Busch. Um, just to go back to the super lights, Casey Roderick did win the championship over Gio Ruggiero and Williams Wallach. Connor Mozak was fourth, Gabe Somers fifth in the pro lights. It was Connor Jones, Ryan Luzo, Hunter Wright, Brent Cruz, and Carson Brown, the top five. And we touched on the tour mods. It was Matt Hirschman winning everything, swept the week, five wins and five starts, a perfect 300 in the points, beat Patrick Emmerling, Eric Goodale, Tyler Ripkema, and Ronnie Williams. Now over to the eBay Motors Schultz Racing products. I just realized I misspelled Schultz on my paper here. It says, it looks German, Schultz. Schultz engineered products? I went literally went with what what you had me write down. Anyways, Um, I think I know the name of my company. you, You do. Um... So the 602s, very good series, a lot of wrecks. Some of the wilder wrecks of the week went to the 602s. A couple cars getting airborne, one car up on the fence, tearing stuff down. Loved the championship format. Love, love, loved it. And it made for a very thrilling final race. That last lap of the final race had me yelling and screaming. And um, it was uh, Luke Baldwin who got two wins on the week. Trevor Catalano got two wins on the week, but Luke Baldwin got the last one. Actually got the last two and won the championship. Um, in my predictions, I had Carson G. John Tommaso number one. He was an <laughs> Rob in that for him. Did he have a restrictor? Is that what it was? No. You, oh, you know when that, Rob no. decided to play yeah. Rocket Man? Yeah, Woo! that's right. That's yep. right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Ricky Collins I mean, as he, another driver to watch. He that was, was such bullshit. I'm going to hang on. Just let okay. me. Go. This This is your group. Go. Trevor Catalano should not have won that race. Which one? The first one or the second the, one? Yes. Okay. Ricky Collins got fucked. I don't, I, got I don't remember. fucked because instead of taking points away from Cat, or instead of like not giving any points to Catalano for his DQ, they deducted him points. If you get DQ'd, you don't get points. Let me say it again. Let me say it a little bit louder for those in the back. If you get DQ'd, you don't get points. Ricky Collins got fucked. All right. Well, he finished 10th in the standings and did not have the World Series he was hoping for. 
He also um, got screwed out of that win. That's that's all. He drove his well. That was third place. I think he finished third place that night. I also had the Baldwin brothers because uh, I couldn't decide which one, and one of them had a good week. The other not so much. Luke Baldwin, of course, getting two wins and a championship was really cool to see the Baldwin family um, getting some wins. That was there. the best part of the week was seeing the Baldwins get. Um, the sorry, I've got a, a nasty message from uh, from somebody who. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, I want to see. It's just I I don't even know where all these came from. I honestly don't know where all these came from. Um but going to the wild card in this division, I had James Blewett and I think with age he will get better. Um so moving on to the Florida Modifieds. <laughs> this is going to sound crazy, but this was the most compelling championship battle. And even though they didn't have Oh no! No no. Responded at seven thirty. Oh. Um. Sorry, uh, lost my train of thought. Oh, the, the Florida Modifieds, despite the low car count, the lowest of the the major divisions car count, um, they had the most compelling championship battle. So, um, huh. I honestly, did you read it all? Did you get it? No, but I saw the last name and Mister Chaplin. I've got yeah. some things to say to you. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, We keep teasing this. We'll get there. So let me get to through the Florida Modifieds. Again, they had the most compelling championship battle. And no, they did. Seriously. (laughs) They really? They did. It was literally like two points going into the final race. And I'm thinking, oh, Cody Stickler's going to win this last race because they had the tire sample thing that changed things. Yeah. So when the tire samples came back in and Jerry Simons and Wayne Parker got DQ'd, that switched because that's the night Bill Burber didn't finish. So that. That gave Cody Stickler a two-point lead. Uh, and then on the final night, the same thing uh, that happened with Cody Stickler on Wednesday when he got into it with uh, Jason Lester, who I accidentally called Jason Leffler, which was, like, yeah. giving him way too much credit. Um, the, the same thing happened to him again this night, passing Wayne Parker. He and Wayne bumped wheels coming out of four, and it broke the suspension on Cody Stickler's car, and he finished one spot out, and Bill Burba did enough to win the championship. And it won the last race and won the championship. So, and Bill, he had a couple podiums, but he had a quiet week. And the last night he wins, Cody Stickler falls out and Burba wins the championship. I mean, say what you want about the Florida Modifieds, but at least their championship race was exciting. And oh, I think their other races were exciting just they, for other they, reasons. They, they had some moments, of course. Jerry getting spun out by, uh, I'm sorry, Jason Lester did not. I'm not picking on him. He did not have a good week. Uh, I think he needs some more seat time in these cars because this is not a truck. I heard that he took the fenders off of everybody he raced, and I was like, well, modifieds don't have fenders. Right. He he did make some contact out there, and, I mean, he took his own teammate out one night, and I'm, I'm very interested to know what those conversations were like. Um, it just wasn't wasn't the best look for, for Jason. He got a win uh, in his first race, which not a lot of people can say, so he's got a World Series win and a – top division now uh, but you can tell he just needs a little more seat time and he wrecked jerry simons and jerry simons had the 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 latest greatest viral interview and uh, a lot of people are going to complain about it was offensive but he used the proper terminology if you really think about it so yep so that that happened but yeah the, the florida modifieds for what they were and as much as i've complained about this division i'd love to see more cars i hope the new rules uh, i i think Somebody at, at CRI said, the first year of a new rules change, you probably don't see much growth. 
But if the rules stay the same, it'll pick up. So I'm hoping that's true. So um, that's what happened there. And I had Cody Stickler, of course, number one. He did great. Shoulda, coulda, woulda won the championship, finished third in points with three wins. It's crazy. Three, he won three out of five, but finished third in points. Those two DNFs killed him. Uh, I had Jerry Simon second. We all know he got junked, finished eighth in points. I had Wayne Parker third. He got DQ'd for soaking tires, and he finished sixth. My wild card was Tim Laurent. Blew up on practice day. Tim, he was the the one outside guy. Uh, Hank, Hank Sanders messaged me about him and said, keep an eye on this guy. All right. And he blew up before he could even get a race in. So my wild card was We kept was an a, eye on him. Yeah. Um, so my wild card was a, was a, and I totally missed on Bill Burba. So there's that. Um, going to the big race predictions before we, we get to the juicy stuff. Um, the Tormod 200, I predicted Doug Kobe would win. He you were was wrong. in control of the race for a long time, but Ron Silk, thank God Ron Silk won that, uh, won the big race because he blew a motor the first night and didn't race the rest of the week. So I'm going to say this. It's yes. because he went from driving the car with a Schultz fuel cell in it to mm-hmm. not driving a car with a Schultz fuel cell in it. That's the difference. Um, I'm totally kidding. So then the blue at Memorial, I had Matt Hirschman, nailed that. Evans Memorial, I, I had Matt Hirschman, so I nailed that. Hirschman would not have won the 200 lap race if Doug Kobe didn't eat somebody in the well, wall. Hirschman didn't win the. No, you're lap right. Race. He Silk didn't. Did. Ron Silk did. Yeah, that was the only. I thing don't Hirschman think Ron Silk would have won. It, it was amazing in the tour race. Matt Hirschman, an afterthought, but use strategy and his persistence to get a podium finish. Then we switch over to the World Series, and he's him and Emerling were untouchable. That was just the. It, if you overlook the first two, the battles for third every night were great because we got different people up there every night. So that was the real battle. I um, Hirschman didn't win the first one. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It, there, it's a lot. Uh, Clyde Hart Memorial, I picked Stephen Nassi. Well, Stephen <laughs> Nassi, did, he underperformed. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> he underperformed this week. He just did not have what he was looking for. Orange Blossom 100, I predicted William Byron because I knew it was coming, but he actually only raced uh, the the two races this year. My backup pick for that was Casey Roderick, and he had his worst night in sixth. So I, I struck out there in the Orange Blossom, heart to heart one hundred. I had Michael Hind struck out on that one because um, that was won by I believe Ryan Luzon won that one. Six oh two mod sixty six. I had Karsten D. Nope, missed on that one. Luke Baldwin was the winner there. Uh, Sportsman fifty. I had Rich Klauser. I believe the Sportsman fifty was the was rained out. Yes. And Adam Briggs was leading at the time, and they awarded him the win. Yes. If, I, if I'm correct. Uh, so I missed there. Pro Truck 50, Taylor Watson I had as the the winner. She stole the show coming from the back, passing everybody, doing a hell of a job. But uh, Brendan Pletcher won that one. Uh, Superstock 50, I predicted Bobby Hawley. It was Paul Kochi who took the checkered flag, but results are pending on that because of tires. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Mod Mini 50, Sean Bass, because... Why wouldn't you pick Sean Bass at this point? As Dylan Reynolds said, ain't nobody beating him. So there's a look at the predictions. I told you guys I'd go over that. I did okay, I think. Uh, there's a few surprises, which was was nice to see. Um, good series, good series. Um, a lot of good racing, some crazy wrecks, some crazy moments. Um, in rain, I, I hate you, but it's all part of the game. So... I guess, uh, oh, the one thing, one last thing I want to touch on, and then we'll get into the, the juicy story, and then we'll hear from Jack. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know, I know. Got to talk about Sierra. Okay? I just want to go to bed. I'm going to let you go to bed here very soon, but I got to get this out there. Those guys, I think, 
are part of the reason why the World Series has seen such an uptick the last couple of years. Uh, Glenn, I, I miss Glenn being there. I really did miss Where Glenn. Where was he? He just, he's backing out. So he's letting the next, he's, he's got Scott under his wing. I don't know who Scott is. Scott is the, the shorter guy that was up in the tower. I know um, Nicholas. He was on the spotter stand last year. Oh, is he the one that yelled at me as, and asked me who I was with this year? No, because he was in the tower. I know Nicholas. Uh, yeah, Nicholas was, was race directing and Scott was, was helping. Um, Nicholas, he's a, he's a character. I, 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 I love when, when I'd be talking about the rain, like, all right, sit tight. We're gonna, we're gonna, we'll keep you updated. And Nicholas would be like, Ryan, shut the hell up. We're done, but we can't say anything yet. Shut up. Stop talking. Save your voice. I loved it. Cause I'm like, oh shit. I turn the mic off. I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you mad. I'm just trying to be encouraging to the fans that are still here. And he goes, no, no, no. He's like, I'm picking on you. If I was mad at you, I would have thrown something at you. Um, but no, the, the CRA team, um, Greg and Nicholas and Scott, uh, I believe the, the other gentleman, Joe, um, so, just a, a great group of people. Um, the cone thing at the beginning was tough on everybody. New rules. It was tough on the drivers. It screwed Jason Vale. I'm going to name the, uh, the Choose V, the Choose Zone, after World Series. It'll be the Vale Services uh, choose zone going forward because he got screwed on that a couple of times. Patrick um, had to remind me about it. And, and no, shit. I understand his frustration because there was a couple of calls that were missed, which not everybody's going to get every single call right. Um, they changed things right after the sports and race. Like Jason Vale was the guinea pig on this whole thing. And at first I was like, read the rules, listen to the race control. His, his radio went out, which is on him. Um, but then I, you know, as things kind of went on, they they changed some things, they relaxed things sometimes. I'm not, I, I just, I feel like Jason Vale was the guinea pig because they had to make an example of somebody. So I, Jason Vale, he's pissed, I get it. Um, the the other thing that I suggested, the, the only thing that ever irritated me when I was the one that was asked to hurry up on the front stretch, when I tried to keep the interviews, especially on those nights where, with weather and stuff, or the nights got long. I tried to keep the interviews short, but also give those guys their time. Because if you finish in the top three, you deserve it. You've earned it. You get a moment to say your thank yous and, and get your sponsors out there. Um, I just got irritated when I was asked to hurry, when I would hurry, and I'd get back in a, and it'd still be 10 minutes before the next race. And a lot of that is the other media circuses on the racetrack when we ask multiple times for any interviews to be taken off the racetrack and people don't listen because people don't care about what you have next. They care about their social media clicks. And, and we're not we're not talking photography no, media. No, the photographers, the photographers did great. Are great. Yep, it's the but, other interviewers. Yeah, it's it's literally like, I'm sorry, can, I don't want to name him, but I'm going to. And I don't even know if he was down there. But like Judson and Matt Dillner and everybody that thinks they have the right to be like, oh, let me stick a microphone in this person's face before the track announcer even gets to. Yeah, when, when, it's, when it's, somebody... It's, it's literally the, uh, I don't know, uh, journalist media, not the photography media. Yep. Like everybody complains, oh Jim Jones is every, Jim Jones is slow, slow. No, the photographers had cleared the racetrack before the written or whatever media had every night. Every night. Yeah. And, and you know, some some moments it's all Matt Weaver's some, fault. Some moments took a few Just more kidding. pictures than others. And that's you know, the moment is the moment. Um but yeah, like when somebody's down there saying, like on the last night, it's getting late, it's cold, and we got our local classes who got rained out the night before waiting to come up. And somebody's like, well, I'm going to go in and get this interview. 
And, um, and then I said, well, we still have three races Name to go. Name the person, because isn't he the one doing the whole racetrack revival bullshit? I guess. Name him. Um, they, they might, I'm like, they might, and I literally just said to him, like, they might kick you out of here because we got to get going. And he goes, oh, well, those other classes can wait. That, You're better that than I am, because this motherfucker is literally doing a racetrack revival thing, talking about how freaking local divisions don't matter. Again, that, yeah, it just, that kind of stuff is what, when the other divisions, quote unquote, don't matter is what, leads to killing racetracks and look we have our challenges and i'm trying to give my hey then he'll get to revive their their minute in in the sun so anyway um i don't like them the the one thing that i suggested to cra was i i respect that they tried to line them up on pit road so that, that when they rolled out on the racetrack they were in their correct position but roll them out as close as you can get like the next race should roll the front like the last car should pull away the next race should roll if you got some people that aren't in position that's what the parade and pace laps are for. Mm-hmm. Line them up on the fly. Send them on the racetrack. Get the fans, let the fans see the cars. And then line up. We do three or four pace laps, sometimes more anyway. Get the cars lined up. If they don't want to listen, put them in the fucking back. If they don't know where they're supposed to be and they don't listen to your directive, getting the lineup going, put them in the back. You, Let's should, keep the show they moving. They should have a receiver on. And again, if anyone from CRA listens to this, this was my only suggestion on how we can speed things up, and I'm not picking on any of you guys. Did a great job with everything this week. Like I am so proud that CRA gets to that, that I get to work with CRA and that they are in charge of the World Series because they run a tight ship. They keep that that a crazy long practice schedule on schedule nine times out of ten, and really the only thing that ever throws them off is like a blown engine or a big crash. They do so good keeping that the, running a tight ship. Qualifying is done relatively on time. Racing starts on time. I mean, they do so good. So let I'm just pointing the one thing out because, and the only reason I'm talking about this is on the last night, guess what they did for the Orange Blossom? They rolled the cars out and aligned them up on the racetrack, and Nicholas goes, damn, this works. And I was like, I, I know I'm just the announcer, but I'm just, I was just, I know what can speed up a show or at least give the illusion of the, give the fans the illusion of something going on versus sitting there with a song playing while the announcer goes piss. That's, that's what I'm saying. So anyways, uh, Sierra did a fantastic job this, this year. And I hope, I hope that that aha moment that they had with, with the lineup situation, I hope that that continues because that just helps the show keep flowing. At least there's something on track even if there's an extra pace lap or two because somebody doesn't want to line up. At least cars are on track and not just sitting there on on pit road with nothing going on. So, anyways, as always, um, another thing that impressed me about CRA is they took notes on everything. And they're like, oh, this took too long. You know, we can we can have less of this, more of this to make it better next year. So, um, with that said, any final thoughts on World Series? Are you really going to end it there? No, because I'm asking you if you want to talk about anything else before we go into what we're going to talk about next. Nope. Okay. Out of 10, give me your your rating of the World Series. Eight. Eight? Nine. Um, Would have been a 10 if uh, the Richie Evans didn't get rained out. Would have been a 10 if my driver could have gotten a fucking race. That too. Um, So let's... I want you to tell the story... Let, let's talk about Jack Hall because he completely got uh, screwed, did not get to start the truck race, and we're going to have Jack on the line here in just a minute. 
Um, you were there. You're on. You were spotting for Jack. You're going to spot for Jack. So, and I commend you for not kicking anyone's ass. When it happened, I was actually sitting in the turn three stands. Like, right, like, he's up in the hot shoot. Yeah. I could see the truck, and I saw somebody walking up to the truck, and I'm like, okay, let me go down. So, I guess it's going to be really hard to do this without saying names, because now I know names and team. Um, Some entitled super late model team member felt like they needed, like, moving their golf cart was more important than Jack, like, being lined up, ready to go race. So homie asks Jack, you know, can you move your car? And Jack's like, no, I really can't. I have no power steering. We were, we were having clutch problems, problems, didn't want to start the truck, you know, just, just didn't want to start the truck. So somebody could move their golf cart. Believe it or not, you guys, your golf carts don't have the right of way. I'm just saying. So, Jack's like, no, I can't. I can't really move my truck. Having clutch problems. I'm not going to start it up. Race cars don't just move on a dime. No, yeah, no. He's like, I'm not going to start it up so I can turn it. Well, I guess dude was like, oh, I'll help you turn it, and puts his full maybe 240 body weight on the steering wheel. Breaks probably in an aggressive Russian yeah. fashion. Yeah, right? of, not course, just he of course, of course, of course, because we're not ready to go out for a right? race. He's just ready to get back to his his camper so he can get another beer and his solo cup. Hmm. Yanks the steering wheel with his entire body weight, snaps the uh, drive link at the U bolt on the steering steering knuckle. I walk up at that point. And I'm like, the fuck did you just do? Because I see him with the hood open on the truck. I'm like, cool. Are we having batter- like batteries back here? What's going on? He's like, oh, no. Th- this weld just broke. I went, okay, so like, what'd you do? And he's like, oh, well, I just tried to help him move the steering wheel so we could move the truck so I could get my golf cart through. And I was like, so your golf cart's more important than the race car? The golf carts are just... <laughs> Ridiculous. People go speeding and like, through the pits. At that point, they I queued up. At that point, I queued up the radio. Cart. I'm like, Jack, what just happened? And he's like, he he wanted to move his golf cart. I told him I couldn't start the truck. I or I wasn't going to start the right. truck because he's ready to race. He's like, I it, there was literally like five <laughs> laps to go. So I now, mind you, this is what pissed me off, and I told Jack this. I'm sitting there holding the hood up like this, looking underneath the truck, homie doesn't say shit to me. I think it was either Jason or maybe Ed walks up. I'm pretty sure it was Jason walks up and sees me under the hood of the truck and sees this guy just like not giving me a real answer of what happens. And then he, and then he tells Jason what happened. And I, and Jason points at, points at me and goes, well, it's her truck. She's on the team. Why are you telling me? And the guy's just like, oh, well, I'm sorry. If there was something I could do, I would do it. And walks back to his golf cart. Mm. So I stood up against the gate for a minute, processing. I'm like, Jack, do you want to deal this? Do you want to deal with this or do you want me to? And he goes, at this moment in time, I kind of think I want you to deal with it. So I walk over to the golf cart. I'm like, why did you talk? Why why'd you touch the truck? And he's like, well, because I needed to get my golf cart through. I was like, why? What's so important that you had to get your golf cart through? Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, he's literally like two laps left in the race, and you just broke right. our truck. Well, and the, here's the reason why it costs so much money to get your golf cart in and why it's not just unlimited, because these golf carts, 
these people on these golf carts just think, you know, we can fly around the pits. We we own the place. Uh, we're in your way if we're walking, uh, and you got to come through with your golf cart. Or God forbid, there be an actual vehicle staging for a race in the way of your precious golf cart. Like, and and who does well, anybody you, think they are to touch another competitor's me? equipment? You know what bothers me? As soon as I went off on him, and I was like. And he's and I was like, well, what are you going to do to fix this? And he's like, well, if there was a welder, I'd have I'd have it fixed. I'm like, no, I mean, I've I've got a welder here. I just need a weld machine. I could fix the truck. It's fine. I know how to TIG weld. Like I know how to get the fucking truck ready to go. He's like, well, if there was something I could do, and I literally just went, yeah, don't fucking touch other people's shit. Yeah. And as you know, soon as I said that, I was like, I was. I also said, you're you're lucky you didn't get knocked the fuck out. Sorry, Jack. I didn't mention that part to you. Uh, homie had no problem backing his golf cart out and finding an alternate route after I threatened after to knock fact. him the fuck after out. After the fact, right? If he after just I done threatened that to knock to him out. To begin with, Jack had started the race. Jack wasn't in the way. Yeah, Jack was where he was supposed to be. Am I wrong? He was where he was supposed to be. You know where these golf carts are supposed to be? On pit road. In mm-hmm. the in, <sighs> Yeah, and then and then if we don't let them on pit road, they go right shitty Facebook posts. Oh, same team. Yeah. So sorry. It's just it's disappointing that like other people think they're more important than but, other people. But apparently the team owner that this dickhead was with has no clue what happened. As as like as I expected, as Jack expected, if nothing is resolved within the next week or so, we will be putting them on blast. I, and if by we I mean me. Well, th- this is why I wanted to let you tell the story. I mean, obviously, I was up in the booth at this time, and I got your text messages, and you said I'm in the infield now, so I don't kill somebody. And then you told me what was oh, going yeah. on, and I was pissed. But- oh yeah, I handed Jack my headset and my radio after yeah. going off on this guy. I went, "I'm going to the infield, or I'm going to jail." So it was a, a an emotional situation for sure, and just it's just wrong on so many levels. Like, like I after, love when- after watching the truck race, we could have like I'm not saying that Jack was going to be up there fighting for the win, but we could have had the best race that we've had in how long have I been working with Jack? A year? Yeah. Like, it, it was going to be our best race. It was set up to be our best race right. all and year. the money that he spent on tires and, and then entries he, and all And then he this, posts this nothing. on Facebook, and, and everybody's like, oh, well, if the weld broke when somebody touched it, then it was probably going to break on the track. Power steering doesn't work that way, you illiterate, like, you well, morons. That's, uh, somebody's always got to be the... That's I, I not how power too. steering works. Here, here's my thing. I, I love the racing community, how people will come together and they'll help each other out. But to... Again, I wasn't there. We're going to hear from Jack in a minute. But um, to hear that another competitor laid hands on somebody else's equipment and broke it to the point where they could not race is honestly one of the most disappointing acts that I've ever heard at a racetrack. Uh, one of the. I've heard some really, and I've seen some really bad things. Um, but I, I just think that's terrible because we build our sport on sportsmanship. And you know what? I was. There were plenty of times this week where I was in... Minorly. I, I did hear you over the radio or over the PA go, well, Jack Hall wasn't able to make it out because another team broke his truck. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Um, and then Tom goes, ooh, Tom texts me. He goes, I need this story. So I know Tom listens. He'll get it here. Um, and we'll get it from Jack himself here in a minute. Um, and I don't know if he'll top Margo's version of it, but we're going to get uh, <laughs> some more in-depth um, reactions and we'll hear the resolution. Um but my 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 thing here that just it disappoints me that again, 
we, we have a division literally called sportsmen. We are a, we're supposed to be a family, whether we like each other or not. And, and yes, there were, there were moments throughout the week where I was minorly inconvenienced by other people, but never did I think that I needed to put my hands on their stuff or tell them to get out of my way because everybody... Put your hands on my here's stuff. Here's the thing. We had a I lot of people. You. This racetrack was packed for all nine nights. Even the last night when 30 tour mods pull out and 30 prolates pull out, the place was still respectfully full all week long as far as Speed Weeks goes, as far as New Smyrna Speedway goes. We were all stepping on each other's toes. We were all in somebody's way at some point. Somebody was in my way. I was in their way. Peyton was running around in somebody's way. Margo was in somebody's way trying to get where she needed to be. A race car got in front of another race car. Uh, pits got clogged. Things got jammed. People were on top of one another. But you don't touch somebody else's race car. And, and you try, you, we gotta res- got to We just got to respect each other because we're all out there trying to get our products on track and do the best that we can for our team. And when another competitor is unable to compete because somebody else whether he was just trying to be helpful in his mind, let me help you move so that I can get my fucking golf cart out of here. That's, that was the most disappointing thing about speed weeks to me. And, uh, with that said, we're going to dial up the racing with Ryan hotline here and get Jack Hall on the phone. And we're going to hear from Jack and we're going to see what has come of this whole situation. Um, we're going to take a, a quick commercial break and we'll hear from Jack, and hopefully uh, they have a good resolution to this terrible story. So we're going to hear from Jack, and then after that, we will have our power ranking segment and fantasy segment um, suggested by Bob Say. So we'll do our best with that. And Fantasy um, segment? Yeah. But Bob and, and his whole fantasy team joined the Racing with Ryan podcast fantasy group. we got a shit ton of people in there this year, so that's going to be fun. I don't like fantasy um, football. I'm uh, damn no. sure not doing fantasy no, no, NASCAR. that's good. You, you don't have to. The um, only NASCAR fantasy I have. No, man. Since you're you're not going to join me for that last segment, um, give me give me three drivers that you would pick for California. We'll take a break. Kyle Larson. Okay. Ross Chastain. Okay. And... Joey Logano. All right. There's Margo's fantasy picks. I'll give you mine on the last segment. But at this time, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll hear from Jack Hall about his terrible World Series experience. Hey, everybody. I want to take a quick moment here and thank some of our great sponsors with the Racing with Ryan podcast, including one of our first, American Auto. They are located at 1523 South Dixie Freeway in New Smyrna Beach. You can get a hold of them at 386-428-1941. For tires and service, they've got you covered 100% of the time. For fast, dependable service, you can always count on American Auto. We also thank 124 Welding and Fabrication with Ron D'Alessandro and his company for coming on board and supporting the show here. Uh, Make sure you check out their Etsy store. Uh, Go to Etsy.com and search 124 Welding and Fab. That'll come right up. You can see some of the great items that Ron has for sale And of course, you can reach out to them if you want uh, some custom work done. They do all kinds of stuff, welding and fabrication, obviously, but uh, great decorations and metalworking available for sale as well at 124 Welding and Fabrication. Check out the Etsy store. We also thank our good friends at Schultz Engineered Products and Schultz Racing Fuel Cells, one of our major sponsors here on the show. Um, They do, I, I mean, just high quality work. If you want the best in safety, 
you get the best with Schultz. Um, they have been hiring. If you're looking for a good place to work, I know a number of people now working over there. Um, get with get with Rob at uh, 732-922-4334. And uh, see what they're looking for. See what's available. If you like a great work environment and uh, get to work with some really cool things. If you like racing and um, you like hands-on work, this is definitely the place for you. And, of course, make sure you get your Schultz Racing Fuel Cells. That way, in the case of an emergency, you know you're protected by the best. But check them out on the web, Schultz Racing Fuel Cells and Schultz Products. Also, we welcome our good friends at DeBerry Paint and Body for coming on board, one of our new major sponsors here on the Racing with Ryan podcast. Once you get your service done at American Auto, you know, if you're involved in an incident, you need some body work done, make sure you take it to DeBerry Paint and Body. That's the only place I trust with my vehicle. So make sure you take them there. You can call them at 386-320-0267. They are located at 400 Chairman Court, Suite 200 in DeBerry, Florida, 32713 and they are open uh, Monday through Friday 9 to 6 and Saturdays before race day from 10 to 1 so make sure you get with them if you need any body work hey if your car is looking a little dull in the Florida sun they got you covered as well that is DeBerry Paint and Body we thank them for coming on board and we welcome a brand new sponsor for tax season here at the Racing with Ryan podcast got to make sure you get those taxes done and you want to make sure it's done by somebody who's going to do you right. We welcome SRQ Taxes. That is, of course, our good friend Steve Darling. Uh, they are a family-owned tax practice with offices located in Sarasota, Florida, but they can assist with taxes anywhere via their secure portal. Uh, you can give them a call at 941-840-1099, 941-840-1099, or for more information, you can visit srqtaxes.com. And again, if uh, somebody's going to be handling my money, I want to make sure it's it's somebody that I know and trust, and I know that Steve will take good care of you. So SRQ Taxes, thank you for coming on board and uh, being the official tax partner of the Racing with Ryan podcast. And hey, with all these sponsorships, yeah, we're going to need some taxes too. And we'd also like to welcome brand new sponsor to the podcast, Jacked Racing. Make sure you check them out on YouTube and all other social medias. Of course, that is Jack Hall, the driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck that we'll see in action during the World Series and the regular season at the New Smyrna Speedway and some other tracks as well. Make sure you follow Jacked Racing on YouTube for all of their updates and great content. Follow their TikTok as well if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, we thank them for taking advantage of our special World Series offer here. Um, they clicked on the uh, on the PayPal link, and they are now a sponsor for the World Series episodes. If you'd like to get on board, make sure you check out the Racing with Ryan Facebook page and click on that link, and you too can become a sponsor, just $5 an episode. But make sure you check out Jacked Racing on YouTube, and make sure you check them out at your nearest short track as well. Uh, we also thank our good buddy Andy Morrison with Never Give Up Racing, a huge supporter of Florida Short Track Racing. He has some great picture frames that are available. Uh, he gave some of those out during the banquet back a couple of weeks ago, and he sent me some information on the Never Give Up Racing light-up picture frames. If you would like to get one, you can call Andy or text Andy at 407 407- 
675-1769. They are $35 a piece. They'll make a great addition to any man cave or even living room. So make sure you check those out. I know he's got hats and t-shirts available all the time as well. And he will be doing a lot to support, uh, especially Bomber A and B racing at New Smyrna, but short track racing as a whole this coming season. Again, if you'd like to come on board, there's always opportunity, just $5 an episode. You name what you want to do and we'll get it on the show. And we appreciate everybody for their support, past or present. And now we'll let you get back to the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on the phone, we have Jack Hall, driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck. He's been on the show before in the last couple of times. We've had a lot of good things to talk about. And uh, as we just talked about on the last segment, um, quite the story to be told about Jack's World Series. And unfortunately, Jack, as we bring you in here, um, not a World Series that you're going to want to remember. It's one we're going to remember, but not for the reasons we want to remember it. That's a good way to put it. So Margot just kind of told us, because she was there, um, she gave us her point of view on it, but we want to get you in. We want to hear from you about what happened, because it's, it's your truck. Um, that you know, It was you and your dad's baby here. Um, and I know that since we've recorded, there has been further discussion, and I, I want to get your whole take on the incident. So tell us exactly from your perspective what happened. Yeah, so uh, I'd eat up your entire showtime if I told you the long story of the accident. But basically, long story short, I'm sitting in the chute outside of turn four waiting to come down for our feature. A guy on a golf cart pulls up, um, I guess, had the idea that getting his golf cart through the line of race cars was imperative for some reason. So he got out to try and have me move my truck, which had kind of a, a clutch that was a little bit maybe on the way out. We weren't quite sure what was going on, but I didn't feel the need to start my truck up and move it through the pits just so this guy can, you know, move his golf cart through. I feel like race cars always should have the right of way in an active pit, especially in the lineup shoot. So I really didn't feel like I had to turn my truck on and move it just for that. So I guess he came up and had the idea that he was going to, I guess he was thinking he was just going to push my truck out of the way. So he tried to get me to turn the wheel to, I guess, push my truck, which joke would have been on him. My truck's super heavy and does not roll well with uh, just the force of one person. So that would have been funny to watch. But anyways, he, uh, I tried to show him, you know, I tried to move the steering wheel and show him, hey, it doesn't, it doesn't turn without the motor on and I can't run the motor right now. So um, I guess he took it upon himself to try and help me by putting his hands in on the wheel and putting a lot of force on it. So he tried for a couple of seconds, pushed on it pretty darn hard, and it ended up snapping a, uh, a U-joint down by the steering box. So we were basically dead in the water in that exact moment. And uh, yeah, all over moving a golf cart through an active lineup shoot. So what did, what did you say to this guy as he's reaching into your truck? Not his truck. He's not helping you. He's upset that, you know, his line through the pits is now impeded by the actual things that we're, that are putting on a show. What is your reaction when this guy reaches into your truck? Did you speak to him and say, hey, you know, if you can help me? Or did he just, he just took it upon himself to just reach in there and try to move your truck? I'm not, so I'm not going to lie to you. I think I blacked out in the moment. I don't 100% remember everything that happened, but I do remember kind of, you know, turning the wheel a little bit and saying, I can't turn it. I think that's all I said was I can't turn it. Now, keep in mind, I was fully strapped in. We were about to go out in like five minutes. The modified race was almost over. If the dude had just waited five or 10 minutes, this wouldn't have even happened. 
but um, I was fully strapped in. I had my helmet on. I had my earbuds in. You know, I wasn't necessarily in a spot to just be chatting with someone. So I just remember saying I can't turn it, and I guess to him that was an invitation to help. And then once it snapped, I don't, I don't think I said anything. I was just like completely shocked at what had happened. And as soon as I heard the pop and saw the wheel spin 360 degrees with no effort, I was like, all right, he broke it. And I think I just, I don't remember, honestly. I just sat there completely silent. I was stunned, didn't know what happened. He, he popped the hood up, which I guess maybe is another debate. He went and took my hood pins off and took a good look under the hood. And so he's like, hey, I, the, the weld on the steering joint is broken or whatever he said. And I think I just got on the radio and said, car's broke. And, of course, Dad is like, what? And I'm pretty sure that's when Margot says, why is there someone under your hood? And yeah. came over, and that was kind of the end of it right there. Oh, my God. I like. She texted me this as the trucks are rolling out. And we, we have a big field of trucks coming out there. Um, so I don't notice right away that you're not part of them in, until I saw her text. And sometimes I miss text while I'm up there because I'm focused on what's going on. But a lot of times between races, I try to check my phone to see what I've missed. Cause usually it's like, Hey, can you announce something? You know, as I'm in the middle of yeah. announcing a race. Um, and I, and I happen to see this and I'm like, what the hell? And Margo's like, yeah, I am so pissed right now. I'm, I gave my stuff to Jack and I'm going to the infield so I don't get in trouble. And I, I, I think my response was, that's probably for the best. And then I had to focus on the race. And I was, and I, I think if I'm not sure what Speedway video capture, but over the radio, I'm like, well, we got a couple of scratches on the field. This guy crashed, this guy crashed. And then something just happened with Jack Hall's truck and it's ridiculous. And I'm like, and that's really all I can say right now. And I left it at that. But I was like, how in the world can this happen? I, I know when I'm walking around the pits, Jack, and, and you know, I'm usually it's just me or it's, it's me and Peyton in a stroller or a little trike. And, uh, during orange blossom, there was two new cars that rolled in and I, I tried to walk over there and jot down what was on the car. So I had a little bit of, of something to talk about during qualifying for these, these drivers. I knew who they were, but I wanted to get the sponsors. And right as I walked over there, they had, they literally just fired the engines and I was in the way of these cars trying to back out and go practice. So I, I back out of the way because you're right. The race cars, they are there to race. They are there to be on the track. They have and I agree with you, they have the right-of-way in the pits. And if you're a, a pedestrian or if you're on a golf cart, if you're on a whatever the hell you've got, get the hell out of the way of the race cars. And if there's a race car in your way, sorry, the race car's purpose is to be there. Your purpose is now you've got this clunky-ass vehicle because you're too lazy to walk around the pits. So, and I know for some people, it's a necessity. I understand that I'm, that I'm not going after those people. But for this guy to think that your truck was such an inconvenience to him that he couldn't wait. He knows what's going on. He works on race cars. He can look at the scoreboard and see this race is almost over, and he can wait his ass five minutes. I, I just think it's so incredible that somebody would think, okay, because my golf cart has to get through, I'm going to reach in this guy's truck and move him. First of all, if he had just moved you out of the way and nothing broke, I'd still be pissed. Yeah, I would still be like, dude, really? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably have thrown a huge fit, but I would just been like, seriously, what? You know, if there's an actual emergency going on, I get it. But there was no emergency. Right. There was, you know, if it was an actual emergency, I would understand. But this was not an emergency. So I don't know what, I still don't know what the other side of this story is. We can get to that in a minute. But I don't know, 
I still don't understand what the logic was. And I, I always understand there's a, like two sides to every story, but I am having a hard time coming up with the other side of this story. Yeah, I, d- I just don't see how this is at all justifiable. And let, let's not even get into what, what this cost you, not being able to race and, and the time spent that, that you all prepared to get this truck ready to, to go out and Friday was was rained out. You guys didn't get to race Friday, so you did not even get to get on track during the World Series, and that, to me, is tragic. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bummer. It's one thing we look forward to every year, especially, you know, being on flow, you know, getting some TV coverage. We right. had some new partners on the truck that we wanted to show off. Um, we took time off of work to be there. We put our dog in daycare to be there. We drove back and forth, what, three, four times that week from uh, about an hour and a half away. And ended up with nothing to show for it. That was the frustrating part. I know everyone wants to talk about the part that broken and if it should or shouldn't have broken, but that was not the point of any of this to me. I could care less if a part breaks on the race car. We do that every week anyway. So what's right. you know that's just to be expected. But for it was the situation that we're mad about and just everything that that decision cost us and really didn't cost this guy anything, you know. It just it seems like a, a really short end of the stick kind of deal for us just because of a really bad decision someone else made. Yeah, and, and you know, we were talking about some of our stories from Speed Weeks, and there's, there's always so many good stories. And then every year there always seems to be a story. This one's new. This is, this is crazy to me. But there's always the, that weird story, and unfortunately you were one of the weird stories this year. And, yeah. um, you know, it just... When Margo was telling me, I, I literally couldn't believe it. And, and after the race was done, I had to go. I'm like, you need to tell me exactly what happened. And I, I you know, I got with Rusty, and I'm, I'm sure you've spoken to Rusty, and this is why I want to have you on the show. I want to know, now that it's been told from Margo's perspective, your perspective, what what have you guys been able to, to do? What outlets have you taken to reach out to those involved? So, yeah, we did talk to Rusty. He was very understanding, understood what's going on. And, you know, this was the thing. It's not, it wasn't the track's fault. Right. They were, there was no responsibility to the track. Um, Just, you know, even just talking to Rusty, getting to tell him what happened. I think he watched the video and understood our side of the story. He agreed it was a bad deal. It shouldn't have happened. Um, You know, I, we mostly just wanted to make sure he was aware of it. Um, We're trying to go about all of this as professionally as possible. Um, I, I feel like most people would have just got out of their race car and, uh, you know, throw down the hurt on the dude right on the spot, but that's not really how we like to do things. So, uh, we're trying to, you know, be professional about all this. So Rusty was very supportive, understood, you know, that's all he can do basically. And that's all we expected from the track. So no problems there. Everything's good. Uh, we did talk to the team owner of the team this happened with i won't mention any names as you know things may still be ongoing we might still have more discussions with them um but the team owner wasn't even aware of the incident so um that i i figured i'm sure the guy that did it wasn't going to tell anyone hey i just broke someone's car in the lineup shoot that's not something you're going to go back to the hauler and talk about so the, the team owner had no idea anything even happened so we you know very calmly approached the team owner and just said, Hey, is this, you know, we had an incident with someone on your team. Are you open to discussing it? And they got in touch with us right away, which was nice. Yeah. And, you know, listened to our side of the story and basically just said, all right, well, I'm going to go talk to the crew member that, you know, this happened with, see if I can get their side of the story, see what they were thinking. And, you know, we can, we can go from there. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, you know, it's not, 
if I if the team owner had just been like, oh well, sucks to suck, you're screwed. That would be, you know, we'd be probably blowing them up right now. But like I said, we don't want to do that. We're not going to be those guys. I had people telling me I should get a lawyer and sue these guys, and I just can't imagine that that's worth it. You know, and that's just that's a whole lot to do. Um, it's yeah, it's one of those things where just. I mean, if anything, we'd just like to recoup what we lost since, you know, we did lose a lot of money off, maybe not a lot of money in the grand scheme of some of these race teams. But for us, you know, we're a father-son work out of our house, pretty small budget in the grand scheme of things team. So even a couple hundred dollar hit, we feel it, especially when we already had to spend, I think we've already spent like 700 bucks on parts this week to get the truck fixed from everything oh, that we broke. Not even the steering shaft, but we had a couple other things like the clutch, like I mentioned, but you know, these expenses add up for a small team like us. We bought tires there. Um, so I guess in the last week and a half of racing, I'll call it that with air quotes, we've spent probably $1,500 and got zero feature laps. So that's where we're at. We just wanted to make sure, you know, the parties involved are all aware, see if we can get their side of the story and kind of proceed from there. Well, it sounds like even though, you know, the guy didn't answer the phone be like, oh, yeah, we're coming over to fix it. Um, it sounds like it's been being handled as professionally as possible on both sides because, you know, if the, the team owner's unaware, then, you know, he's got to go through his channels to figure out. He's got to look at, at things on his side. And hopefully, in this team involved, I, I have the utmost respect for, to be honest. And I don't know everybody on the team, and, and some people are better than others, uh, as is the case with with any team. But, you know, it seems like, um, you've you've done things professionally. Hopefully they will. Hopefully you guys can come to some kind of of resolution, or you know, if anything, maybe this will end up getting some rules in the in the rule book. Like, hey, if you're on another team, you don't touch anyone else's car, or else it's disqualification for your team, or you get kicked out. I mean, I I, I feel like sometimes things things like this, these unforeseen things, are what end up making new rules. You know. Yeah, definitely. And that was kind of why we wanted to talk with, uh, you know, Rusty and the right. track management about it was I know they have that rule on the on the infield pits of no vehicles during active race times. But I guess, you know, that doesn't necessarily apply to the outside lineup shoot, which is where this happened. So if we were in pit lane on the infield, nothing would have happened. But because it's narrow up there and people were trying to get their personal vehicles around, this is how we ended up in the situation. Right. And, and to think you started the weekend in the parking lot and actually got to move into the speedway for, for this event. And then it ended up being, you know, worst case scenario for you. It just, it sucks that all those things kind of played into it and you guys end up getting the short end of the stick. You get, you, you spend the money. Now your tires are, are still good for the next race. So you can, you know, next time you won't have to pay for tires, but you, you can't make up for the lost seat time. 50 laps, World Series crowd, flow racing, that good exposure. And now I guess all you've got to show for it is um, a crazier than expected YouTube video. Yeah, I mean, I like making crazy YouTube videos, but I would have, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't the plan. what I wanted to no. make. <laughs> so I, I also want to ask, you know, I I shared your video and I posted about it because, and again, I, there's nothing I can do as far as change or making anything happen, but I wanted to make sure those that needed to know knew about it. And, um, and, and, and they do now, but you know, we, we did get some comments on there and you've gotten the same comments like, Oh, well, you're lucky the guy found the part to break before you hit the wall or something. What's your response to, to those types of comments? Yeah, I, I knew posting this, it was going to be a wild reaction and it was going to be all different ends of it. You know, I kind of, 
I willingly set myself up for that because I knew I needed to share what happened. And I knew, you know, everyone's got an opinion and a lot of people aren't afraid to share those opinions. So I kind of knew they were coming. Um, A lot of people were pretty supportive. You know, they agreed that that was a a stupid thing to happen. It shouldn't have happened. I did get a lot of support, which was great. Um, Yeah, the other common responses were, um, you know, I would have handled it a lot more violently than you. And that was kind of expected. Um, but yeah, the big, the big one was a lot of people telling me I needed to go thank this person. They saved my life. They did this, they did that, which I can 99.9% guarantee that part was not going to break on the racetrack, uh, for, I guess for a comparison's sake to load the truck back on the trailer, we wrapped a piece of duct tape around that steering shaft and it steered just fine. Hmm. So the force on that shaft with the power steering running is nothing like with a force where the wheels are locked on the ground and you're just hammering on the steering wheel. It's not the same sort of force at all. And you know what? Honestly, they're probably not wrong. It shouldn't have, I don't think it should have broke and it maybe wasn't the best connection there. Um, I mean, we bought a used race car. You never quite know what you have. And I'm not taking personal offense to any of it because I get people are looking out for my safety and I wasn't the one that welded it. So it's, I don't take it as a personal attack in any way, but I just feel like it was, they missed the point of sharing it. I'm not here to complain about a broken part. I mean, like I said, I don't care about that. We can fix that. 30 minutes, everything's fine. Those Um, people are are acting like it was going to break as you, you know, we're on lap three going down the straightaway and then you're going to hit the wall. I mean, I feel like if you had gotten in trouble, had a tire go down or been involved in a wreck and then hit the wall and then it broke, it's still, it's a moot point because you've already been in trouble. You've already hit the wall. That part wasn't just going to break and cause you to crash. No, it wasn't. It was going to make it. It, Like I said, it had been fine since we bought the truck. We've run hundreds of laps like that. Not a problem. But that that force is nothing compared to, you know, the force with power steering is nothing to the wheels just being locked and someone cranking on a steering shaft. So, yeah, it's it's a completely different circumstances the way I see it. It wasn't going to break on the track. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy what you open yourself up to when you're trying to share something on social media because you you really expose yourself to both sides of of everything and no matter what the situation is good or bad um i've had that experience plenty of times you know um but yeah it's just it's crazy you know margo and i talked about it when we recorded earlier and now we're hearing it from your side and and really the stories are 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 quite similar i know margo is very emotional and passionate about it as is her personality your personality, more of a laid-back, uh, passive-type person. I mean that with all due respect. Um, they're, they're lucky that it was yeah. that you're like that and not the fighting type because there are a lot of people in that pit area where they would have taken the $5,000 fine and beat somebody up for it. Yep, exactly. That's what I, I, I made that comment to Rusty. I was like, most people would have got out and just started fighting, and uh, Rusty's response cracked me up. He goes, yeah, that would have cost you $5,000, but sometimes you, know, you just got to live a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think you've already got enough uh, in repairs now to get back on track here in a couple of months that, uh, you know, it's it's good that uh, you're level-headed about things. And that's that's one of the things I appreciate uh, about you and your team. I know that anytime you guys show up at the pits, even when you have the worst of nights, you guys are still going to present yourselves in, in a good way. And I think that's important for racing. I think that's why your your team is successful in the way that they are successful. And, and you're 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 a good role model to have in the pit area, especially given this situation, um, given the audience that you guys have and the way a lot of teams, you know, they show up, they race their, their name is in the results. And that's basically all you hear with you guys. 
your whole night is is put out there on on YouTube on your social media. So everybody knows what's happening, good or bad. In in this case, uh, crazy. So yeah, um, yeah I, I think we. That, you know, I know I put myself out there, so I know I'm going to get a lot of different responses, and that's okay. We're just here to share our story, and not every story is a good one. So it just true. is what it is. Well, I, I know that uh, this is kind of still an ongoing thing. I, you know, when we left off yesterday, it was, you know, you're, we'd heard that you were going to talk to the team and, and we're glad to have the fact that contact has been made and, and we hope that uh, going forward, uh, A, this never happens again to anybody, but hopefully you guys are able to come up with some kind of, uh, if not restitution, some kind of, of, of agreement or whatever, some kind of resolution and, um, I mean, I hope it never happens. And if anything, maybe this makes you guys uh, even better in the, in the long run. Yeah, no, this definitely uh, maybe taught me to keep my cameras rolling on my helmet before we hit the racetrack, too, because you never know what's going to happen. I wish I had my camera on. I didn't. But, I mean, I didn't think I needed to just sitting in the lineup shoot. But apparently you never know. You never know. I mean, that's the crazy thing about racing. Once you once you show up in those pits, man, it's, it's, it's on. Anything can happen. And... Uh, Again, sorry to have you on the show in this situation, but um, you know when you reached out, I'm like, yeah, this is the perfect uh, person to have on the show. Yeah, we had a lot of great things happen during the World Series, a lot of champions, a lot of winners, but I feel like this story needed to be told from the driver himself. So, Jack, uh, again, thank you for taking time. Um, I want to give you an opportunity if there's anything else you want to get out there, um, and, of course, to share your your platforms as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, I think this is still a little bit ongoing, so I'm just going to leave it at that. If you want to see the full video from the day and hear the entire story, check out our YouTube channel, Jacked Racing. I posted everything there. I'll keep posting everything on there. Uh, check us out Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, other than that, it's uh, I'll just leave it at that. It was a bad deal. Don't touch other people's race cars, and your golf cart is not that important. Hell yeah, I agree with that 100%. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys back on track full force for uh, the truck season opener. Absolutely. We'll be there, and I think we're going to go faster than ever. Now we're really motivated, so I think we're going to turn it up this year. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much, Jack, and I look forward to following the saga. And hopefully, like I said, it uh, we follow it to a, a good conclusion, and we'll see you guys in uh, in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Appreciate you letting me tell my story. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jack. Appreciate you. Jack Hall, driver of the Double Zero Pro Truck. Better days ahead. So uh, we'll let him go, and uh, we'll get on with the rest of the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Big thank you to Jack Hall for calling in and being part of this uh, very long World Series review. Going to do a quick final segment here. Um, One thing I forgot to do uh, in the last, in the World Series review segment was rank the five points paying division. So I'm going to do that real quick before we go over our power rankings and our NASCAR fantasy section. Um, basically, I, I guess I'll go, I'm going to go top down because I think this will surprise you a little bit. Uh, my favorite division at the World Series this year was definitely the Pro Lates. Um, just, just like last year, solid car counts, a few wild wrecks, um, some really good racing and a variety of winners. So um, it was nice to see a mix. You you kind of knew who the players were going to be. You knew the 81, the 44, the 77, um, the 25. You know those were going to be like the main players each night, but you didn't know which one of them was going to win. And we saw 
plenty of hard-nosed racing in that one. Um, I, I just, I know a lot of people were complaining about the, the wreck fests, and here's the thing. If we didn't have the cars, everybody would be complaining that nothing happened. You know, oh, there's no cars, there's no cars. And then you get a lot of cars, and then you have a lot of wrecks, especially at the beginning. Uh, Rusty said it, uh, he put it very well. You know, these guys are, are coming from all over. A lot of them have never raced against each other, so you get a lot of, you know, new, you get a new mix of people together, and it takes a little while to figure each other out. So um, I thought that was a good way to put it. Definitely enjoyed the Pro Lates. The championship battle was not as compelling as it was last year, not even close. But, I mean, the, the racing was good. The car counts were great. The fields every night were, were very, very good. Um, so that's why I put the Pro Lates as number one. Looking at number two, I'm going to stick with the late models here. Super late models were my number two favorite. Decent car counts, even on the 35 lappers. Um, some nights were better than others, and we had a lot of fluctuation due to the um, due to the Southern Super Series coming, due to the big race at the end. So not a lot of people raced every single night. But again, we had enough cars to where each race, even the lowest turnout, I think was like 16 or 17, which isn't terrible. Uh, for a super late model these days. Yes, I would have liked to see it, you know, 30 cars a night. That would have been amazing, but that's not going to... That's unfortunately just not going to happen in this day and age. But very interesting races, interesting drivers. I mean, William Byron, Bubba Pollard. We had Stephen Nassi for a few nights, Hunter Robbins. Um, yeah, it was it was an entertaining series. And really watching Casey Roderick come into his own with Anthony Campy Racing and watching the Donnie Wilson cars have success um, watching that rivalry brew throughout the week. And it was kind of a quiet rivalry, but man, it got uh, pretty intense there during the last race uh, of the, of the world series. So um, very, very curious to see how that's going to uh, develop. If it goes any further than, you know, the world series or not, but um, very, very entertaining. I thought the Clyde Hart Memorial was one of the wackiest races I've ever seen. And then I thought the Orange Blossom 100 was one of the best, like, 100-lap Superlay model races at New Smyrna we've seen in a long time. So I, um, I'm going to rank the Superlay model second. And third, I'm going to rank the 602s, uh, the, the Schultz Racing uh, Fuel Cells eBay Motor 602s. Again, a lot of cars. So they did have a lot of wrecks. They had probably the wildest wreck of the week twice. Two big ones on the back straightaway. One tearing down the uh, outside fence on the uh, inside of the racetrack. And then... They had the best finish with Trevor Catalano and Evan Rogalski. Um, Trevor won that by one one-thousandth of a second and basically capped the first of two wins for him. Put him into the championship finale, even with a points penalty. So definitely, um, definitely a fun division. I, I hope the division remains. I know there's always, with, with a division like this, it's kind of run by an outside source. There's always some things that don't, get properly communicated back and forth so some things to button up but a very good uh division lots of cars very nice people um and i'm really appreciative of of schultz and uh ebay motors for for doing this because they, they don't have to to do all this to add some racing to uh to the world series so that's that's what i would rank number three number four is actually going to be the florida modifieds um they had the most compelling championship run. I think it was like 
just a couple of points between Bill Burba and Cody Stickler going into the final race. And surprisingly, Cody Stickler had two DNFs on the week um, after contact and turn number four with two different drivers, two you know veteran racers. And Cody's dominant World Series was almost a, an afterthought because it was Bill Burba who remained standing at the end, winning the race, winning the championship after a quiet start. The Florida Modifieds for the last few years have not had the, the turnout anybody's been looking for. A lot of rule changes, a lot of... We had one year where the rules changed and they went back like two weeks before. That was bad. Um, we talked in depth about where this division should go. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to let this division be. I'm going to let let the Modified of Mayhem rules play run their course here, see if it doesn't get better moving forward. But it was, it was compelling. I mean, not a ton of cars. They were in single digits a few nights. A um, couple people on the entry list didn't even show up. A um, couple people out early. It's just the way it goes, nature of the beast, but still very compelling uh, championship season for the World Series despite the turnout. And then fifth, surprisingly and disappointingly, is the Tour Modifieds. Not because I thought they were bad by any means. Um, it was just the same two people each night. It was Matt Hirschman, Patrick Emerling. And then, of course, we lost the Richie Evans, which just kind of brings that whole division down a peg. And like I talked about before, not going to dwell on the decision made by the track, even though... It wouldn't have been the decision that I made, um, but that's what the track decided to do, so that's what ended up happening, and that was a disappointment. Um, that The Tormod 200, if every race was like that, this would be the number one division, but unfortunately, the World Series races, the first night was kind of a wreck fest, second night, clean and green, and then um, the other two nights were standard, modified races. Matt Hirschman won, and I was really looking forward to seeing... If we'd gotten the Richie Evans in, we had gotten some back and forth between Patrick Emmerling and Matt Hirschman. Maybe it would have elevated them to second, third, who knows. But we didn't get that, and unfortunately, I have to put them down at the bottom. Great car counts, great turnouts, um, some fun racing, great battles for third. If you looked at the battle for third every night, that's where the uh, intensity was. That's where the story was. You know, Joey Coulter one night, Teddy Hodgson one night. You had different faces up there on the podium, but it just... The top two were locked in. They did their thing, and that's what it came down to. So that's where I put those guys. And again, it's it's. I, I don't. I really don't think any division was particularly bad. Um, some divisions could have had more cars. Some divisions could have had a few better races and less wrecks. But the World Series, it's like a full season in a week. So you get the full spectrum night after night after night. And it makes it real easy to say, well, that sucked or, you know, this division isn't any good or that was a stupid race. So this division is stupid. Um, but you got to look at the greater picture. And overall, I think it was it was real good. It was It's hard to rank these guys. And, you know, I don't put numeric values to any of this, but if there was, I'm sure they would be very close in in uh, in numeric value. So that's um, that's my division ranking going into or, or following the World Series. So let me go ahead and give you our final World Series power rankings. Of course, if you've listened to the last couple of shows, um, you would have heard where our rankings sat going into the World Series, midway through the World Series, and now we have the uh, final rankings. So let me go ahead and go over those for you. Um, we're going to go from 12th up. So in the 12th position, I put Giovanni Ruggiero in the super late models. He had a Pretty good World Series, very solid. He finished this one, um, didn't get it into, didn't get involved in any wrecks this time. Um, and again, driving for Donnie Wilson, it's kind of hard not to 
not to place. He had a couple of podium finishes. Didn't get that victory, but uh, impressed. Um, in 11th, got to give this to Ryan Luzon, the Pro Late Models. Um, man, if it wasn't for a flat tire the first night, he probably would have been in the top six. Uh, he just didn't have the championship speed that he was looking for. Uh, got a couple of victories, was fast, um, but put him in 11th. In 10th is the Florida Modified Champion, Bill Burba. Kind of came out of nowhere the last couple of nights to put himself in championship contention, then win the final race and steal the championship out of the grasp of Cody Stickler. So that puts Bill Burba 10th. In 9th, Katie Hettinger. She made history this week. She had good runs. She learned a lot, as Margo and I kind of talked about on the review segment. You know, you could tell her strengths and tell her weaknesses, but her strengths only got better as the week went on. And again, she made history the first female to win a Pearlite model race during the World Series. So um, that gets her the ninth. And yes, that that is enough to bump her ahead of Ryan Luza. I think her career is budding, whereas Ryan Luza's is, it's just kind of what's what's his outlook. I think, I, I think Katie has a much brighter future. And, and that's just opinion and could definitely be wrong. Um, in eighth, Patrick Emmerling and the Tour Modifieds kind of, under the radar going into the World Series with the new team. But really, that team showed up and performed. About the only team that had anything for Matt Hirschman. So it's a shame we didn't get to see that Richie Evans. But um, Patrick Elming with four. And I'm going to judge him off the four actual races, not the qualifying sessions. Um, four second-place finishes. Uh, well done to that team and Patrick Emmerling. In seventh, Trevor Catalano in the 602 Modifieds. Uh, a couple of different 602 guys sneaking into the picture here. Uh, Trevor with two wins and fast speed almost, almost stole the championship, made a bonsai move in the last lap of the last race, and um, he was very impressive. So he's in seventh. In sixth, we have Cody Stickler in the Florida Mods, and yes, he didn't win the championship. He had the best car all week, no doubt about it. If it wasn't for the two DNFs, he just completely destroys the competition. Um, he could have swept the week. Absolutely had the car to do so. His two DNFs came while he was battling for the lead midway through the race. So, um, yes, he is higher than the champion, Bill Burba, but let's be realistic. Um, in fifth, so in the top five, Luke Baldwin, the 602 Modifieds. Man, did he pick up New Smyrna in the 602 Mods rather quickly. First couple of nights, he ran well, but then he won the last two, won the championship, uh, putting the Baldwin family name back in victory land at New Smyrna. Very special I know it's a 602 modified, but it's a modified nonetheless. And the modifieds and Tommy Baldwin and the Baldwin family, uh, the roots are so deep. To see Luke win and be so humble in his victories uh, was very refreshing to see. And he turned some heads, so he is fifth. In fourth, it's Orange Blossom 100 winner, Williams Wallach. Just a very solid World Series. Didn't quite have the experience to get up there in, in battle Casey Roderick. There were a couple of close calls with, with Roderick and Swalich in the 100. But for Swalich to win that race, beating out Bubba Pollard, uh, Stephen Nassi, Brad May, Casey Roderick, and others, uh, very impressive. And again, Williams' first run in a Super Late model got two wins, uh, finished near the top of the points. Um, very, very impressive run. So uh, right up ahead of him is our Pro Late model champion, Connor Jones. And yes, I originally had him slated in the power rankings as a Super Late model. Well, the focus shifted to the pro. Uh, the super late model, you know, they got it figured out towards the end of the week, but they just weren't quite on it. Actually chose to sit out the Orange Blossom 100. They just felt like they had gotten all they could get out of it. And uh, But the pro late model performance cannot be overlooked. A couple of wins, very strong, uh, very aggressive. But again, he's got the talent. 
uh, hopefully that maturity follows. And he, well, I, I'm very interested to see what he's going to do with his Thor Sport rides in the Truck Series this year. So we will wait and see. But Connor Jones is third on the final power rankings. In second is Casey Roderick with a super light model uh, podium on like five of the six races, I believe. The only bad night he had is when he had a brake line that was lost in the Orange Blossom battle back to finish sixth. So um, in the field that uh, included about 30 cars twice, he, uh, yeah, his worst finish was sixth, won the championship, first ever trip down to the World Series, uh, red-eye winner. You can't deny that right now the ACR team with Casey Roderick is dangerous. Again, for them to beat Donnie Wilson Motorsports that have been on an absolute tear the last two years, especially here at Smyrna, um, that is definitely worth the nod and puts him in second. In first place, of course, Matt Hirschman, um, clean sweep of the Tormod division. Um, just, you know, what was even more impressive was the fact that uh, he didn't even end up being competitive in the 200. Um, he was not, he did not have a good car. He used pit strategy and his downright skill to wrestle a car that didn't have it to a third place run on the 200. And then they switch it over to the world series and boom, um, wins all the races. And yes, there's an asterisk by the final one, but it is what it is. He swept the week. Nobody could touch him except Patrick Emmerling took a few shots, but man, he was bulletproof and definitely deserves to be World Series number one in the power rankings for this year. So congratulations to Matt Hirschman, and uh, just big thank you to everybody that did participate in the World Series to make it so much fun and to make that exercise very, very difficult because there were so many good drivers, and I know a lot of good ones were left off. So um, that is our final World Series power rankings. To move now to the NASCAR power rankings, an update after Daytona. Um, you know, and, and this is after Daytona with thoughts moving forward to California. So I had to take who I think are going to be decent in the upcoming race and put them kind of near the front. So it's kind of a combination of who do well at Daytona, who do I think is going to do well at Charlotte. So that's kind of, or I'm sorry, at Cali. So that's kind of how this is going to, uh, to work here. So let's go ahead and get into it. Um, starting in 15th here. And yes, I'm going to go back to front on this one. In 15th, I have Daniel Suarez. I don't know how he got a top 10 in the Daytona 500. He was involved in a crash and he spun out late, but still battled back to a top 10. I guess that helps when you miss the big one at the end. Um, and to think he almost won California last year. He was leading with a couple to go before Kyle Larson made the uh, ultimately final pass for the lead and held on to the win. So I don't think we can overlook Daniel Suarez. Um, in 14th, I have Alex Bowman. Solid 500 in contention for a stage win in stage two. Um, definitely a guy that I think, um, can do well at California. He's won there before and, uh, could, if he hits the setup, right. Uh, he, he could contend or at least get a top five moving to 13th, William Byron, a quiet Daytona for William, uh, did get caught up in one of the wrecks, but I like Hendrick Motorsports, especially on the intermediate tracks, your, your two mile tracks, your mile and a half tracks. Um, and i left him in 13th from Daytona. So not a lot of movement there. Same can be said for Tyler Reddick. I have him 12th, um, involved in the first big wreck at Daytona. Didn't show the speed that I thought maybe he would considering how good Bubba Wallace is at the plate tracks. Um, but Tyler was so good at California last year. Should have, could have won the race before a flat tire derailed him. Um, just, there's still that unknown with 23XI racing in Tyler Reddick. Is that team going to be as potent as the Richard Childress team? 
Or is Kyle Busch going to be the one to nominate this week? We'll see. So I have Tyler Reddick still in 12th. In 11th, I have Denny Hamlin. Um, kind of hard to put Denny Hamlin outside the top 10 anywhere, but it just wasn't really a factor at Daytona. Got caught up in a crash. Wasn't really a factor at California last year. And I couldn't put him ahead of 10th place Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Of course, coming off the Daytona 500 win. Um, do I think he's going to be a factor at California? Absolutely not. Will he probably fall off this list? Uh, unless he gets a top 10, most likely yes. But again, I'm not going to not put the Daytona 500 winner in the power rankings, but 10th is as high as I could go with him. Um, would I love to see him up there contending and just keep that story rolling? Absolutely. And it would make Margo happy. Um, but I, I don't foresee Ricky doing, you know, top 20 perhaps, but I don't see him being a factor, but 10th for now. We'll see how it stacks up next week. Martin Truex Jr. Now in ninth. Um, he got caught up in some of the Daytona shenanigans. Um, could he win California? Absolutely. Do I think he wins this season? Yes. I think he's going to break that winless streak. Uh, win where, I mean, it could be this week at California. could be next week at Vegas. could be a couple weeks down the road. could be at a road course for all we know. could be Talladega. could finally get his first plate win. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I have Martin in the ninth position. In eighth, I have Ross Jastain. I know I got some comments about Ross being a little bit further down the list. Um, than some would think, but he did win a stage and then immediately got a speeding penalty, got caught up in some of the stuff. Um, I don't see him being a contender for the win at California. I see him anywhere between like 15th and 8th next week, so he will remain 8th on the board. I think he moved up a spot. Um, Kevin Harvick from 7th, or will will be the 7th driver, so right smack dab in the middle. Um, Not the Daytona ending he was looking for, but if you think back to last year at Michigan, a very similar track. The surface is much smoother, so a different type of surface, but um, going to be probably pretty stout. I, I would imagine Kevin Harvick is a top 10 driver. Um, could win the thing. You never know. Uh, so he is seventh. In sixth is Chase Elliott. Definitely a guy you cannot count out at California. I uh, was going for the win last year against his teammate Kyle Larson before Larson put him in the wall, and Chase Elliott spun out, setting up that uh, shootout to the finish. So um, I expect Chase Elliott to be fast and contending for the win. In fifth, Kyle Busch should have, could have, would have won the Daytona 500. Almost had that Cinderella story, uh, but he'll have to wait another year. Um, maybe if the eight car is just as fast as it was last year with Tyler Reddick, I look for Kyle Busch to be pretty stout. I think he's a contender in this race. I think he'll run top five most of the day. And if things fall his way, it would not surprise me at all to see the eight car in victory lane at California with Kyle Busch. Just ahead of Kyle Busch will be Kyle Larson, the defending race winner. Daytona was uh, actually good to him for a change um, until the last lap. Uh, He was in position to win it and got turned head-on in the outside wall, so he had a good run going. Again, defending winner at California, so he is definitely in the top of the power rankings in fourth. Just ahead of him is third place Daytona 500 finisher Christopher Bell. Uh, I think Christopher Bell can contend at any of these intermediate tracks this year. I think uh, Christopher Bell had his breakout season last year. I think he's going to do even better this year. I could see Bell winning three to five times. So um, definitely I I see California being one of those tracks in his wheelhouse, and I I think he'll have a strong run. So he's third. In second, Ryan Blaney. My goodness. Um, Involved in the first big wreck. That car should have been destroyed, should have been on the trailer but he drove a damaged crap box for the second half of the race to an eighth place finish. Yes, he dodged the big wreck at the end. That was not an eighth place car. But again, the finishes don't say, well, it's because of this. It just says in eighth place, Ryan Blaney. Um, 
for that team to not give up and to keep him going. And just like they did at Daytona last year uh, in the 400 to get him into the playoffs, there's no quit in that Team Penske team. Um, Blaney, again, just like Truex, is he going to win again? Yeah, absolutely. I think Blaney wins again. I think he wins this year. Um, when is it going to happen? I don't know. But there's no quit in the team. I think they're very determined, and I think they could be dangerous. So Ryan Blaney is su- maybe a surprising second to you, but he's second on the list. And then still number one, Joey Logano, um, winner of the Clash, winner of his duel, and almost, you know, if they had pressed the button for the yellow at a different time, almost won the Daytona 500. I think the defending champion is going to have his best career season this year. I think he's going to win at least five races. I think they are going to be, you know, we didn't really see too many dominant teams for long stretches. Yes, Chase Elliott throughout the season piled up wins, uh, but it wasn't like every week you just thought Chase Elliott's going to win, Chase Elliott's going to win like Kyle Larson did the year before. I could see the 22 getting hot and winning two or three races in a row or three out of four or four out of five, something like that. Um, I think the Team Penske is going to have a great year. Hopefully that translates to Harrison Burton a little bit as he gets used to driving these cars. Harrison had a respectable 500 before getting caught up in a wreck. Um, was leading late and, uh, you know, typical Daytona stuff. Um, but I think, you know, Austin Sindrick needs to take a step up, and I think all of this will translate and help Team Penske. But I think Logano is definitely the dom- most dominant guy, so you've got to have him. If he's not top of your power rankings or in your mind, then, uh, you know, I think he's got to be up there. So, um there, that's our look at our power rankings. I'll get back to the Florida power rankings this week after all the races. Um, I don't think we're going racing this weekend um, just to take a break. Um, who knows? You know, it might be a last-minute decision to go somewhere. But at this time, no plans to go racing. I know Speedway Video will be at Auburndale, so we'll be able to cover that next week. Of course, we'll cover California, uh, the NASCAR side of things. which looks like it might be a wet California. But, hey, it's early in the week now. We'll see what happens. Um, so we'll cover all of, all of that. And we'll, we'll have a good show next week. Kind of a wind-down show after all the World Series excitement. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed these World Series shows. But before we let you go, um, we have the uh, the Racing with Ryan podcast, uh, NASCAR Fantasy League, which I actually started last year. And it's just me and Steven. I started it late last year because they don't open um, the entries until like the week of the 500, like midweek before the 500. And of course, I'm head on into speed weeks at that time and just a little bit busy. But... I was talking with Bob Say, uh, one of our good listeners here, and he asked about combining his old league with our league and kind of making it a reoccurring thing on the show to talk about. So this might be the part of the show where you turn off, and that's that's fine if you're not into fantasy stuff. Um, but I thought that was a great idea, so we're going to do a little fantasy segment here. Um, after week number one, it is the Pit Penguin in the Racing with Ryan podcast league. Uh, leading the way, and I, I'm going to have a little bit of pri- uh, I'm going to have a prize at the end. I don't know what it's going to be. I'll maybe use some uh, sponsorship funds and do a little something for the winner at the end of the season. Um, you know, maybe I'll take a percentage of any new sponsorships that come in and, and feed it into the um, feed it into the league because a lot of you guys I know listen or are good friends with us on Facebook. So um, after week one, the Pit Penguin, that is of course Stephen, who's been on the show before. Um, he won last week. He's got 208 points. He leads Ben Say by eight points. Bob's Fords is third. Big Temp and Motorsports is fourth. And Richie Petty Jr. fifth in the standings. Yours truly with 146 points. Unfortunately, wound up in ninth place behind, um, uh, behind, um, 
John Gross. John Gross is one spot ahead of me, so I'm coming for him. So uh, really happy to see 14 people in the league this year. Should be fun. Uh, so quickly before I let you go and we end this marathon podcast, um, I'm going to give you my five, and this is not going to be my team for the week. I'm going to give you the five drivers that I think you should have in your team. Now, you've got to be strategic with your picks. You can't pick the same guy every week because they'll run. you'll run out of uses before the playoffs. But the five drivers that I think you need to have on your California team or your Auto Club Speedway team, plus I'll give you my wild card, which will be the quote-unquote garage, you've got to have Kyle Larson in there. You've got to have Chase Elliott in there. You've got to have Daniel Suarez in there. You've got to have Kyle Busch in the eight, and you've got to have Tyler Reddick. Despite what I said on the power rankings and the unknowns with the 45 car, you've got to have those five drivers on your team, or at least four out of the five. Um, and then the wild card pick, I would definitely put Eric Jones. He ran so well there last year and really surprised a lot of people. Led laps, finished in the, I think he was like third in that race. Um, so I would put Eric Jones. And, you know, I, I would say put him in your garage. And then if something happens to one of those other drivers, then you can swap him in. And if nothing happens, if those are the good five drivers, then you leave Jones in your garage and it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, but Jones would be my wild card pick. And again, Kyle Larson, uh, Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, and Daniel Suarez would be my fab five in fantasy land for the Auto Club 400 coming up this weekend. So, um, Appreciate everybody who's playing along with that. Congratulations to the Pit Penguin on the win last week and leading the points. So with that said, appreciate you guys tuning in to the show. Hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, so glad to have so much content to talk about. This is one of my favorite shows of the entire year to record. I love doing the interviews and mashing that all together and, and putting that out midweek. But I also love sitting down a couple days after Speed Weeks when the dust is finally settled. And yes, the Speed Weeks hangover is real. Um, still feeling it. Um, but what a time. What a great speed weeks. Thank you to all involved, uh, whether you're there one night or the, the full thing, whether you worked it or attended. Um, appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll, yeah, tune in next week. We'll, we'll talk about the California race and we'll definitely talk about Auburn Delson's Speedway video will be there and whatever else is happening in the racing world. So tune in then. Thank you all so very much. And thank you to Jack Hall for calling in. And we will talk with you all next week. Take care. Goodbye.